Hey listeners, want to become an official Grunthead? Well, now you can, by becoming a patron over at our Patreon. That's right. When you contribute, you'll gain access to our supplemental show, Gruntwork Nights, a podcast not about the TV show Home Improvement. It's a lot of fun, and we hope you'll join us. Just visit patreon.com slash gruntworkpod to join. And now, on with the show! Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to pull on your jock straps and slap some asses with a wet rolled up towel because we're doing some locker room talk. That's right, it's grunt work. Bitch. Wake up, grunt, faded, grunt, faded, grunt. Welcome to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV show uh, Home Improvement, broadcasting to you from sunny Los Angeles, California. Well, slightly overcast Los Angeles, California at the moment, thank you very much. I'm your host, Landon, male bonding man, Solano, joined always by my co-host, Truman, rock and roll cool man, Caps. (laughs) Truman, it's good to see you and thank you for letting me do my silly shit. I th- you're welcome. I'm sorry I keep interrupting your silly shit with uh, critiquing it based on what the weather is. I always think that the the best alternative to male bonding yeah. is UPS bonding <laughs> or FedEx bonding because it'll get you there faster. I think it's called USPS bonding now. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And and honestly, USPS bonding is only less effective because it's uh, it's been hamstrung by Congress and forced to fund its pensions in a stupid way. <laughs> Really pulling off the funniest material for the beginning of this podcast. Uh, Landon, it's good to see you again, it's sir. It's good to see you too, sir. Yeah. Well, I'll well, okay. uh, see you later. Yeah, that's it, that's it folks. Thanks again for coming out. Uh, you'd think that after yeah. d- two years of doing this, yeah. we, we would have a less awkward beginning to all of our podcasts. It's less to do with the podcast and more with my personal uh, uh, working through uh Knowing how to take a compliment and the pat on the back and uh, move forward naturally. With yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man. <laughs> so that... it's good for someone to see me. Okay, I need to stop. I need to absorb and process that information before I can respond in a natural flow. I would say it's good that you're making progress, but we have been doing it for two years and we're still just as bad as we were when we started. <laughs> but I'm 36 years into receiving compliments and I'm still not good at that. So don't hold your breath is all I'm saying. Well, I don't know. You've got a lot of life left. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, we're. I'm, I guess also maybe you have been making lots of progress over the 36 years. I've only been here for a relatively small part of it. <laughs> Fair. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do. I want to bring up something real quick. Don't bring it up. This is the time the, and the place to do it. Is at the beginning of our podcast. This because uh, we we have a very interesting episode ahead of us. We have but... a relevant episode. <laughs> if we could get into a time machine back to like October 2016, but yes, it's relevant. Oh man. Um, so, uh, as some listeners know, I work in digital marketing uh, for my, my day job. Uh, is it, are you going to read out your resume on the air? <laughs> I'm looking for jobs, and this is what my qualifications are. So, every once in a while, like if I'm developing a website, I have to do presentations. Yes. And I had a presentation last week. <laughs> so, I'm standing in front of a group of people showing them this website and uh it's the first draft of the site yeah the the second version the second phase is when we start to bring in the bells and whistles mm-hmm. and so <laughs> every website is are those midi bells and and, and whistles that just go doo, 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 doo. Are, we, are the are the bells and whistles the sounds that you make when you introduce different segments on our show <laughs> yeah actually okay. yeah um but 
I was trying to think of a way because it was a, a, a group of people that are so far removed from tech mm-hmm. that they wouldn't know the jargon that I usually throw around. These are Amish folks. You're, you're working for barn <laughs> it's raising. Weird that they need a website, but you know, even they need representation online these days. How else are you going to sell that butter you spend all winter <laughs> churning? We're going to open you a Shopify store. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I'm trying to think of a way to explain what uh, the next phase of the site's going to be because mm-hmm. I can tell on their faces like it's not it's not functioning the way that they dreamed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, uh, okay, so it's not until phase two that we give this more power. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like I was in that moment. I'm like, if I didn't have a home improvement podcast. I wouldn't have I wouldn't know how to fall back on to say something here that would make them understand. But having more power in my pocket, well that's not a phrase I want to go around saying. <laughs> that is that is that, I think you're ripping that off from Viagra's like 1990s campaign. Oh man. Um anyway, I just like it it shocked me that this ridiculous show that we do has I mean, it had already infected my personal life. But yes. now it's infected my professional life. Well, you know, you're if there's any aspect of your life that you want to give more power, wouldn't it be your professional life? Because isn't your yeah. professional life about attaining power in the form of promotions and uh Yeah, the uh, most amount of power, the least amount of responsibility. Yes, exactly. With, I'm made for middle management. Yeah, I I really think I think you are, man. I think that that's really uh and well, either that or or I think Tim has honestly achieved it because he has all the power of running the show, but none of the responsibility of ensuring that the show is good. And he never suffers. He never is held to account for whether the show is good or not. So I really do need to look uh, to Tim Taylor as a a kind of uh, figure to only in the workplace, not in your relationships (laughs) with with friends, not in your relationships towards women. So you're saying I got to start putting down all my coworkers' mothers. Uh, I have to Mm -hmm. start Mm -hmm. uh, burning their paychecks. Yes, absolutely. Scaring them with severed heads. I have to start uh, putting their heads, photoshopping them onto sexy girls. Yes, uh, every time. And I think that that most importantly, when you were making that presentation, you should say, all right, phase two. But before we start, here's the thing that I want to know, guys. Why is it that women are always this certain specific way that Truman can't think of for the purposes of this improv bit? Anybody ever notice that? And you start taking questions from the audience that happens to be there. But only questions from men. Yes, only questions from men with red hats on. Uh, well, that's, that's oh. good, man. I thought that this story was going to be something like, I had to do this presentation, and then I, I brought up my computer on the overhead projector, and there was a gigantic uh, shot like there was like I had Photoshop open because I was doing a thing for the website of Al with his head photoshopped onto yep. a sexy lady, and the whole uh, office saw that. That happened to me the first presentation I gave. I wasn't aware that um, you know I had to plug my computer in to go into the projector to go onto the big screen. Yeah, and it recognized it as a second monitor. Yeah, I thought that oh shit, I, I better just have the thing pulled up so that that's what pulls up. Um, not knowing that my screensaver would be projected. Uh, not my screensaver, my desktop wallpaper. Oh, no. I mean, it's not that embarrassing, but, I mean, it was a big picture of Friday the 13th. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not embarrassed by it, but I can see that's not something necessarily you want to come up at work. And I'm like, ooh. I, I mean, I think that, like, like the, yeah, that's bad if you want if you want your employers to think that every day after work you sit in a beige room and look at the wall and have no personality <laughs> or interests. Like, well, that's exactly what I did the second time when I realized, like, after I made that first mistake, I chose the the beige wall equivalent, which is what are the like sand dune 
uh, wallpapers that come with the computer. Let me put one of those on there for next time. Uh, you know, I, I just, there, there are so many words, like, I am instinctively terrified anytime there's like a shared screen opportunity in a workplace setting and mind you there's not even there's not like i'm that not to go too much into that but there's nothing salacious or scandalous anywhere close to the computer that i am taking into the office like (laughs) there's likewise there's zero risk of that but i still just am like what what if some mischievous what if the grunt creep has has jumped into my reality (laughs) and pulled up Pornhub (laughs) and left a bunch of of really uh really salacious stuff up there and that's the first thing people see and then what if my boss sees it and then afterwards he calls me into his office and says truman i couldn't help but notice that you have the same fetish that i do look at all of my stuff on here and then you get a raise and a promotion and uh but then but then like i'm not actually into that porn because the grunt creep put it there so then then i have to like basically get the grunt creep to help me impress my boss with the sexy porn that i'm into i think that's less of a problem than it initially seems because it's not like you're sharing porn experience i mean you'd be sharing experiences but you wouldn't have like a shared porn experience oh well like shared as in like the cloud (laughs) like like... shared as in male bonding as in locker room talk as we're about to get into here okay and i would also say uh, i've never had a shared porn experience with other guys like short of discussing porn but never that's what i mean discussing porn discussing porn oh well you know what i mean that i guess i could fake it with a honest okay look if it's about achieving more power in the workplace and my boss is if my if my boss is in there and he's like this is a hypothetical boss not my actual boss but if he's if he's just like oh man nothing turns me on more than feet i just love watching feet like squishing birthday cakes don't you truman and it was a job where i really wanted a promotion i i might pretend like i was into that to get the promotion yeah uh, you know that's one of those situations i don't think anyone really knows until they're in it because i i my gut was just like, no, I take the moral high ground going, that's not appropriate to talk about in this context. Uh, but if money's on the line, if my continued job is on the line, I wouldn't feel good about it, but I might listen to him more well, longer than I probably should. Let's make this interesting. If you if you pretend, if you go along with it, and like you don't have to look at this weird girl smashing yeah, up birthday right. cakes, but you just have to pretend that you're into it for the purpose of your boss. And that, that means that you go from making 55000 a year to 110,000 a year and the 401k. What's my contribution to this? Is it is what, it just being subjected to it or is it, it having to engage? It's like he's it, you you do have to engage. It's and he's like, "Oh man, you know, I don't know about you, Lance. Let, let's say you're at the bar. You've yeah. had a couple drinks. This big promotion is out there. It's a, it's you and Jenkins and and he, somehow you are talking to the boss and he's just like, "Yeah, Jenkins seems pretty good, but I just get the impression that you know, the kind of man who I want working as the vice president of this company, nothing gets him going more than seeing a nice, sexy lady's bare feet smashing up a birthday cake. What do you think of that, Landon? Mm-hmm. Well, everyone has their own thing. Well, Jenkins seems like maybe Jenkins will get the job. So basically, you're, you're consigning yourself to not the poor house necessarily, but the middle class I house. I don't think I have what it takes to fake it. I, don't, I honestly don't. I'm not saying that I would necessarily throw down the line in the sand. But I don't. The line I don't, in the birthday cake. The line in the birthday cake. The line cake. in the frosting. But I don't think I have the wherewithal to to fake it. I don't think I do. I, I mean, I look. I like women's feet do nothing for me. And honestly, it's kind of traumatic to me the idea of all those birthday cakes getting wasted. <laughs> so I, I don't. Mean, it's, it's less about the setting. It's to le- me. less about the specific fetish rather than it's a person in authority talking about something that they shouldn't. More than likely, crossing lines that you know, probably indicate that they're crossing other ones elsewhere that I'm like, I just, I don't want to consort with this sort of person. 
Okay. So I'm going to do the most least path of least resistance, which is I give you one non-committal answer. And okay, and I get that, but here let me offer a competing philosophy. Okay. Money over everything. I I know. I I listen, if money meant a lot to me, which, you know, money doesn't mean nothing to me, but if it meant a lot to me, I wouldn't be working freelance three different jobs trying to just pay for my apartment. <laughs> I'm just saying like Okay, maybe I didn't phrase that properly. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Like I think about like okay, this is a man, this is maximum power and minimum responsibility. I think you I think you need to reframe this to something closer to my experience. If you were to say you could go from having Trader Joe's hatch chili mac and cheese every night of your life. That sounds pretty dope. Which you're currently doing. It sounds nice, though. You could upgrade that to not thinking about getting that restaurant mac and cheese every night of your life. Okay. Yeah, see, this is this, that to me is that, what it That's is. more realistic to me. To okay. go, okay, I don't have to rely on this frozen mac and cheese. I have to spruce up with my own innovative know-how. Yeah. Uh, that I could just go buy some delicious mac and cheese. Yeah. Uh, See, it's 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 more of a quandary now. I don't know. So so what you're saying, so you can't be bought off with money. You can just be bought off with higher and higher quality mac and cheese. I can be bought off with cheddar. Okay. <laughs> I know we have a show to discuss, but I'm going to pause it one more thing. Yeah. Uh, the the <laughs> finest mac and cheese uh-huh. in the world, prepared by the best mac and cheese chef, a Michelin starred chef. I guess Michelin-starred mac and cheese chefs, these exist in this fantasy world that I've created, uh, prepares you the, the best mac and cheese in the world for dinner every night. Um, uh, it comes to your house to do it. Also, you never have to work again. Uh, but you have to kill a baby. But. <laughs> now that, but. This, it's, okay. The baby might be Hitler. Or it might just be a regular baby. See, you've you've tapped on something that is uh, embarrassingly too real for me, which is my antipathy, antipa- an, ant, ant, antipathy, 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 Landon, for <laughs> children. I I hate to admit it. I don't. I just wait. So you just kill the baby pro bono, not, no mac and cheese. <laughs> I'm just saying, in this weird hypothetical fantasy world that we're discussing, <laughs> my 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 rage against children. <laughs> Is much more clearly defined than my tolerance of my am, of ambiguous uh, uh, line crossing from a authority figure. Okay, you know, I, I was I certainly was asking these questions, <laughs> trying to find out things about your character, and I have found out things, but they weren't the things that I was expecting. I didn't find them out the way I expected. You know to. what? I didn't know that they were there until I was confronted with them myself. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, Landon, I don't know what to say to that. Except that we watched an episode of a TV series tonight. <laughs> this we did. This TV series was not Muppet Babies. No, it wasn't. It it, it wasn't. I, I'm sorry to disappoint. I yeah. I and I'm disappointed too. Um, but we did we did watch a TV show called Home Improvement. Yes, and that long winded riff that we just did plays into uh this the theme of this episode. It does a little bit. I, I get okay. I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe not the killing babies part, but the that, that plays into Muppet Babies. The, 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 yes. the, the later seasons of that show got dark. The nanny, the nanny has some troubles in her life, and uh, Muppet Protective Services has to come Ooh. in. Um, uh, I, I'm lost on this segue, so Those we'll just say, do the you have a synopsis for us? The nanny's feet smashing 
Gonzo's birthday cake. Uh, <laughs> check check fanfic. I'm sure that's a fetish. Oh god. Okay, I do have a synopsis of this episode. Okay. So, let's, god God help us. If maybe I do this synopsis, maybe we'll get on track. After videotaping Jill's speech at the opening of the new and very well-funded library, Tim takes the camcorder with him to the hardware store, where he accidentally tapes himself joking around with the guys about how he thought her speech was boring, almost as boring as he finds her newfound interest in psychology. When Jill winds up seeing the tape, she's furious at Tim, who insists that it's unfair for her to judge him for a private conversation among the guys. Wilson tries to defend Tim's actions to Jill, but she counters him with some well-researched psychological opinions about the nature of gossip. And Tim, after trying and failing to explain his actions to his sons, apologizes to Jill and resolves to start reading everything she reads in order to better understand her interests. Way to go on that synopsis. Th- thank you. I liked it. Yeah, thank you. This Now this podcast is about positive reinforcement <laughs> for our friends. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a longer than average synopsis because there yeah. was a little more meat in this episode there, than normal. This is a, a full course meal. This, um, yeah, this episode there were some side dishes. Yeah. There was meat and two veg. Uh, even some cheese. And a lot of ice cream. <laughs> uh, but we'll get into that in just a moment because... Guess that title. Brought to you by uh, Tara Lee. Theme song by uh, uh, Hans Zimmer, I <laughs> yeah. guess? Yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that. I was specifically thinking of Interstellar. No, that's good. Oh, okay. I was honestly, it sounded a little bit more like Inception to me, but oh, I okay. get that. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like the Interstellar version would be bum bum <laughs> titles titles titles. Uh, I'll thank you. Titles. My theme songs do not have words. Oh, okay. I don't I'm need sorry. to stoop that low. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to be the songwriter here. You're just doing you're just doing the lyric. The music just flows from you. Here's some interpretive. Yeah. Here, here's some of my titles. The first one was kind of me warming up for the later ones, okay. just just preemptively shitting on them. Uh, what you talking about, Jillis? <laughs> and if you're wondering, how does that tie in? Not not really. <laughs> Mostly that this episode involved guys talking, <laughs> and Jill was a subject. <laughs> uh, okay, so you know, okay, not, go ahead. Hey, I'm, whatever. I'm done laughing. Go ahead. Uh, option two, Boar Land. Oh, okay. Yeah, see? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Three, person of disinterest. <laughs> okay. Um, and fourth, hardware of hearing. <laughs> Are these good, or have I just taken us into such a bizarro place already? What you talking about, Jillis, is my favorite title you've ever come up with on this show. <laughs> okay, that's a diss, because I feel like I've come up with some that are actually good. But uh, all right, you, you have, know. you have. But that one, that one's special. Okay, that one, that one won the keys to your heart. Uh, am I clo- am I close with any of these, Doctor? You're not. Ah, uh, this one is a uh, sports reference. Oh, well, th- okay, I was doomed before I even came out of the gate. <laughs> well, it might be just a general broadcast uh, uh, reference. I'm then not maybe sure. I'm not. It is called, Let's Go to the Videotape. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, that's that's good. <laughs> directed by uh, Andy Cadiff, who has directed every episode this season so far, and written by Howard J. Morris, who this season wrote Don't Tell Mama. Oh, okay. The, uh, the Car Smash episode. 
you know, uh, I'm going to I'm going to give a tool time salute to the writer of this episode whose name I immediately forgot. Howard J. Morris. Howard J. Morris. I, I give you a tool time salute. Yeah. I thought this episode was pretty well written. He's also a pretty big producer on the show. Oh, I thought uh, it was pretty well produced as well. Yeah. And uh, he's currently working on Grace and Frankie. So he's like, oh. he's still he's still around and kicking. Hey, man, good, good for good for him. Seriously. Still still making a living in this workaday world of ours. Uh, <laughs> did, did he produce or, or write any episodes of ER? I'm going to say no. <laughs> Um, I'm going to also say no because it was on the same time as Home Improvement. Um, no, he did not. Okay. Uh, what did you think <laughs> about this episode? Oh, can I give you a very annoying answer in that I don't have a thumbs up or thumbs down? It's an experience. Uh, I think that this, <laughs> I mean... It, it, a full experience, you know, unlike a lot of episodes in yeah. the show where it's just like, oh, they barely had enough in that episode or, oh, they were cramming too much in that episode. Yeah. This does feel like there's a lot to chew on. Yeah. And it feels like a great uh, example of an episode that you can then walk, you know, one when it was on broadcast television, you can walk away from it that evening and kind of turn to your significant other and kind of talk about what was going on. I mean, yeah. it feels like there's something here to talk about. Yes. Let's give them something to talk yeah. about is what the writer of this episode, whose name <laughs> I've once again forgotten. Howard said, J. Morris. was what Howard J. Morris said when he sat down <laughs> at his typewriter. Um, what about you? What What are your thoughts on this? I, my thoughts, I, I think that this is, uh, I, I'm trying to think if I've called another episode this and I can't really remember. I feel like this is the platonic ideal of what home improvement should be yes. and what the creators of home improvement wanted it to be yeah. and what when when i thought about home improvement before we started this podcast what i kind of thought more episodes of it would be like because this is really this is i would if if every episode of the show was close to what this was like i can't they were all, not all being this good like some of them are like 10 points better some of them are 10 points worse but by mm -hmm. and large every episode was kind of like this one and followed this sort of vibe i would like the show so much more yeah this would be if this episode had come out last season i feel like I, it would it may have been a deal breaker for me for this show it's just like yeah and, you know i feel like if it came out in season three it would have acquiesced so much to tim's side of things without presenting the other side of the story yeah and with this particular topic i mean it, it really riles my feathers so i i was so glad to see that they presented uh not just both sides, you know, his side and Jill's side, but bringing in Wilson and bringing in Al, I thought was a fantastic addition to this. Yeah, I I agree. I just think that, yeah, this episode, it, I, and I mean, a certain amount of it is because I think it's soups relevant to yeah. uh, to this day and age of ours. I mean, even more so than a lot of the other ones are. But yeah, also in that they, like a lot of episodes raise these sort of issues and then they just sort of use it as a framework for Tim to clown and and Jill gets mysteriously horny at the end of the episode and <laughs> and you know executive right. producer uh, Carmen Finiestra um and and so this uh, this episode I was kind of taken aback at how mm -hmm. and also it's like I, I like they just raise a lot of important issues Jill really argues her case very convincingly and and wilson isn't right in this episode and i i think not to harp on the point but i think then al offers a, a very realistic and necessary alternate masculinity yes like like al is a positive version of masculinity yes tim is a negative one one of my complaints about this episode which is not a huge complaint something i would have liked to have seen would be kind of more emphasis on 
Al, we should probably just get into the deep dive on this episode, yeah. but I would have liked to have seen... Like, this This definitely highlights how Al and Tim approach their interactions with women differently, and it kind of leaves this unsaid, but how Al's way is better. Yeah, right. And I, so, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like this episode. I'm not going to say that Tim comes off great in it. I think that he right. makes a stronger effort in the end than he normally does. Uh, but it, I, I, yeah, I like this a lot. This is a strong. This is probably the best episode of the season so far. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, well, if not the series. I'm going to give our listeners uh, my snowflake high horse alert because <laughs> I do feel like I'm going to be uh, riding that high horse uh, almost the entire episode. So if you if you get annoyed with my uh, my left swinging uh your big swinging <laughs> leftward pendulum my lde i don't know bde but <laughs> your, left your 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 wde your woke, my, my woke B- dick energy ble big left energy big left <laughs> that, that's that's like that's like our genteel version of chapo trap house is just big <laughs> left energy like hey we're liberals but like let's just be polite about it like <laughs> hey that's honestly sums up uh, my approach to life. Yeah, okay. Very very <laughs> Canadian. Um so yeah, so let's just let's just you know let's just dive it dive into this thing. Let's just uh, fucking well, we're we're done diving. How's your upper body strength? Um it's I'm not gonna lie, I've been eating a lot of cheese recently. It's not it's not great. <laughs> okay, I, well I'll do the, the heavy digging if we need to. Okay. I think perfect. we're 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 into digging metaphors now. Oh we're we're into right. digging we're, metaphors? We're retiring dive okay. and going dig. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to spend uh, several years doing environmental reviews and trying to uh, secure uh, land rights to uh, begin uh, digging in order to put in a subway. Perfect. Uh, without the problematic uh, spokesperson, we go to the cold open, which is the kitchen. <laughs> the biggest one of our why is one of our biggest traditions dunking on Subway Jared? That is so not relevant. <laughs> That was before Trump got elected, wasn't it? That was, that was a long time ago. Okay, yes. We go, they are cold open. The kids are uh, in the kitchen, and they have a, not not a pint of ice cream, not a, not two pints of ice cream, not one of those uh, plastic buckets that Neapolitan came in. Oh, I know that we were talking about. like full on ice cream store carton. We're talking a terabyte of ice cream. <laughs> Yeah. It is it is it is so much ice cream. It is enough ice cream. It is like it can't fit in their freezer. That's my question. It's like where the fuck are they putting this thing? Maybe they keep it outside buried in the snow like Oregon Trail style or yeah. something. Because November, that's where they kept it. I don't know if it'd it. be be cold enough quite yet. Really? It's not snow wasn't freezer? on the ground there. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it wasn't there in the sound stage in LA. I mean, in the in the fiction of Michigan. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, they they dress up the the seasons out there. They'll put true. snow out there. There's no snow yet. Okay, you know, okay, it's a bi- it's a big old. Qu- Wait, no, they've probably got they've probably got. Look, my family had my family had and has two refrigerators. One of which mm. we keep out in the garage to, just for the freezer space. The Taylors, I'm sure, have 73 refrigerators because Tim keeps fucking with them. Are you saying that your family has one of those convenience store uh, freezers where I could just pop my head in and get a uh, a rocket pop i i or a cookie sandwich we don't now but now that you've said it i want us to (laughs) i know but i mean honestly like there are like i've seen families like i've been to houses where they have like a floor freezer where you lift up the thing and they keep all their like families that hunt usually i feel sure yeah yeah i haven't seen it here but i'll concede that it might exist somewhere we we, we do spend a lot of time in that garage so one would think you would have seen it but whatever uh, so anyway, they're trying to scoop some ice cream out of this gigantic 
like it's the size of Lake Michigan <laughs> thing of ice cream. Yeah. And they're having no luck. And we see that the boys have bent 12 different spoons in like in half. Yeah. No, but this is all an illusion, of course, because there in reality is no spoon. I was wondering who was going to do the Matrix joke. <laughs> I, I had some. I had something I was working up, like like stand up comic looking at his notes on the on the stool. Like, okay, uh, I've got something about like they're bending spoons, but not with their mind. They're doing it with ice cream. Ice cream is more powerful than their mind because Mark is dumb. But I didn't have anything good, so thank you. Uh, and thank you for not making me defend Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's what they're doing. And um, Jill comes downstairs, and as she's uh, coming down the stairs, we get uh, apparently our little our little grunt creep has. Uh, left his profession and has joined uh, the vaudeville circuit <laughs> yeah he's he's tap dancing around wearing a little top hat and then he gets yanked like, like okay so so the, the area if you've been watching along at home folks you know there's that hallway to the left of the fridge where there's you can kind of see up at the yeah the path like directly to the garage yeah, yeah. And so we see jill coming down and the grunt creep is there tap dancing and then a a cane comes just out from behind, like comedy night at the Apollo. I, <laughs> just gets yanked away, and his little uh, his little um, uh, Oliver Hardy, uh, Stan Laurel hat, his little bowler, just uh, does a Roadrunner cartoon and flies off. Yep. And I just want to say, I think it was kind of unfair they yanked him off stage because I thought he was killing it. I thought his tap dancing was pretty good. <laughs> I would have liked to have kept watching it. Although, truthfully, the rest of the episode turned out to probably be better than watching him tap dance which was not yeah. is seldom the case on this show and also not our only vaudeville reference on this show there's a transition coming up that's questionable which, and again it is a fool's game but i keep trying to dis- like i keep assuming that the what the grunt creep is doing presages presages pres- pres- even even Fraser, Fraser is stumped by this one uh how t- but like what um presages what the show is going to be about or like yes. what the subject matter of the show is going to be. So I'm like, oh, so this is probably about like stage fright or like performing in some way. <laughs> nope, it's just a thing that they did. Yeah, uh, very bizarre. I, yeah. I can't tie anything to it either. But okay. um, what what does Jill want when she's coming downstairs in a hurry? Jill, uh, well, she's she wants Tim to get the camcorder or she's got the camcorder. She She's about to go speak at the opening of the library. She's very jittery and nervous about it. You know how the, the what you said? The library. We're not done with that. We're not done. Well, now it's not the fundraiser. It's opening the library. Okay, so I, I have library questions. Is now the time to bring them, or should we get more into this episode? Uh, maybe get a little deeper okay. when we're actually watching the thing. She comes in. She's going to speak at the, the library thing. Yeah. Tim is going to be videotaping it. She catches the boys in the act of trying to scoop ice cream, yeah. and they've all got their hands behind their backs and are acting. You know, like, oh, you're going to do great. And might <laughs> I add that you look awesome. And she says, well, why have you got your hands behind your backs? And and Randy just goes, we're just trying a new thing. We had them in front of our backs for a while, now we're doing them behind our backs. <laughs> that looks really like a Groucho Marx line. Uh, yeah, it's honestly, the kids are slowly becoming the Marx Brothers, <laughs> I think, as much as they want to be the Stooges. Yeah. Uh, and then, so then, show enough, they reveal all these bent-up spoons, and Jill gets angry at them for ruining all these spoons. <laughs> and it's like, what happened to that ice cream scoop that I got you? Yeah, uh, and Randy's like, oh, Dad is uh, trying to fix that um, in the, the garage, and Tim comes back in with this, uh, okay, questions I have. He comes back with the ice cream scoop attached to a curling iron um, so that he can plug it in and uh, heat up the spoon. Were electric ice cream scoops a thing? So here's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. We never had one, but when I was a child in probably the late 90s, 
there was a I was watching the RoboCop cartoon on I don't know WB or some <laughs> shit like that, but, but it was certainly. Um, I'm going to say a somewhat more lighthearted take on RoboCop than the Paul Verhoeven oh. film. But there's a moment where like one of his gadgets pops out. I know this isn't it sounds like Inspector Gadget, but it's not. It was definitely RoboCop. <laughs> but it, like they're in some situation where they need something and like an ice cream scoop pops out of his his hand or whatever and they say you've got an ice cream scoop and he says negative. It is a self-heating ice cream scoop. So the concept was around in time for the RoboCop cartoon series. Now, here's an existential question about that. When he says self-heating is the ice cream is he referring to the ice cream scoop as part of his own body because he's the one that's doing the heating of the scoop. So when he says self-heating, he's referring to it as an appendage of his own. Yes. Is that correct? I believe so. That was his intent. Yeah, it was coming from his body. It was attached to him. So it's not the ice cream scoop that is self-heating. Because then he would say it's a self-heating ice cream scoop. <laughs> oh, he did say that. Could RoboCop create an ice cream scoop so heavy that he himself could not lift it? <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. Look, that's that's all. That's all I can. That's my okay. only as, as a lactose intolerant person uh, <laughs> who can't eat ice cream without major intestinal distress. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of experience with this question. Okay. Well, then the transition out of this scene uh, where we get an ice cream sundae uh, probably well, didn't do your intestines any good. It didn't do my intestines any good. But you're missing the the whole joke. Oh, uh, do we have to go through it, Tim? <laughs> Tim, he's like, oh, but I got this, and we're gonna, this this thing that I've souped up is sure gonna be great. Like, I don't remember exactly his wording. but he, I think that was it verbatim. Yeah, basically that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm gonna scoop you some ice cream here, kiddos, gazinga. And he he puts it against the top of the ice cream and starts pushing, and sure enough, it gets so hot that the thing pushes straight through uh, all all of this ice cream this that his hand bursts one out One foot the block of ice cream. His hand just bursts out the other end and all this melted ice cream starts spewing out yeah. and he says milkshake anybody but um bump but um so this would not be a self-heating ice cream scoop because tim had to plug it in to do it yeah but it heated itself he didn't like hold a cigarette lighter up to it he mm. actually like it it heated itself you seem awfully hung up on this on this con- and i mean we get we get awfully hung up on the smallest dumbest of shit but sure, even but for how us you describe a... the self <laughs> Oh man, I feel like we need to call either Jill or Wilson for this one. Uh, we get an ice cream Sunday transition. Yes, we do. into the theme song. Yes. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Why doesn't Brad get to play the video game? Well, I don't. Do you think that maybe? Wait. So he's not even present in the video game section. He is, but Randy starts and he gets chased and then jumps over something. Doesn't yeah. get any points. And then Mark. Uh, Oh, no, no, Mark actually gets two two frames. I think he, Randy runs in the door, right? He jumps over the buzzsaw, doesn't get any points, goes in the door, and then his big face pops up with his name. Yes. Uh, then I think Zachary Ty Bryan just pops up with his name. He's not in the game at all. But then Mark appears. He runs, uh, gets chased by the thing, runs through the door, runs back out, jumps over, gets 500 points, mm-hmm. and then his face pops up. So my question is, why doesn't Zachary Ty Bryan get to play? Landon. 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 Uh-oh. Landon, it's Uh-oh. the 90s, dude. You could only have two players in a video oh. game. Brad is watching. Randy and Mark are playing. This is, this is SNES. This isn't uh, the 64. Yeah, obviously. This, the 64 wasn't out at that point. Yeah. Come on, dude. Where's your head at, man? Uh, apparently not in the 90s. Uh, that, that's that's weird because it, it seems like it has been for most of the time <laughs> we've been doing this. Uh, yeah, no, th- that's simple. That's an easy answer. Okay. To- totally dunked upon. It says there's only two players. It's like player one score, player, player two yeah, score. Right, there's right. no player three. Um, okay. Are you ready, player three? 
Please, please don't make that be a movie. We I have Not another until they do Ready Player Two. <laughs> I have another question, but um, I am going to save it for next time. Too ready, too player. <laughs> we go to we go to Harry's Hardware. Yes, where uh, Al is counting the money from the till to take his cut, which seems weird. Why wouldn't you just take a paycheck? <laughs> yes, it seem it does seem weird, but again. Money over everything. I guess so. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. And uh, we get a guy come up to the the counter, and they start having some chummy conversation. Yeah, it's it's uh, they're they're already establishing. Honestly, this this whole opening scene kind of, in retrospect, does a good job of establishing this notion of the hardware store as a broy space because <laughs> you know Al is talking to this guy about how oh I'm not robbing it I'm a part owner and then Al no and then Harry comes in and says yeah a very small part owner see that corner over there that's what you own <laughs> and or Carn Corner yeah uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was so, and that, that, cor- we don't see the corner on yeah. screen, but presumably it's full of facts about, about <laughs> Richard Karn. Karn Corner. <laughs> Wait, was that, was that Philip Glass? <laughs> or was that uh, Stomp? Brought to you by John Smith. Uh, this is Karn Corner for this week. Okay. It comes out of nowhere sometimes. Yeah, it, it truly does. Well, in this case, it didn't. It was very heavily uh, telegraphed by what was happening on screen. But but that that's fine. When it came in the middle of your sentence. It was very relevant, though. So please, go go on. Um, okay. So as some of you know, um, Richard Karn was a uh, uh, apartment complex manager before becoming an actor i think about that every day i <laughs> and and you think that i'm just being flipped but i actually do think about that every day he uh his wife um suggested that they move out to los angeles and that uh that he found a, a job managing an apartment complex to help pay the bills while he acted but he also uh catered events at a jewish synagogue he, wait so he cooks too or wait was he just like party well, down or I, I don't know it just says uh he, Catering events, catering events, that's all it says. It doesn't say if he cooked, doesn't say if he served, didn't say if he cleaned up. He just catered events at a Jewish synagogue. I, I, in Los Angeles. It, based on my knowledge of what actors do to make money when they're not acting, it seems almost certain that he was just serving. But wouldn't it be great if, in addition <laughs> to being a handyman who's great at everything and fixing up an apartment, yeah. he was also an amazing cook? Who was like making? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Making three hundred blintzes for a bar mitzvah <laughs> or something. I mean, and the fact that you said party down, like, oh my god, if that uh, series had gone on for a third season, Richard Karn would have been like the perfect addition to that show. Oh my god, it would. Can you have... imagine him bouncing off of Megan Mullally? And uh... I, I, well, I'm imagining it now, and I'm upset that I didn't get to see it. <laughs> also, I mean, as long as we're in Karn Corner, yeah. uh, Pen Fifteen on Hulu featuring Richard Karn. Oh, yeah, which like, I still haven't seen yet. I haven't seen it yet yeah. either, but I saw him in the trailer. And, like, guys, give it up. Richard Karn on TV again in a show that is getting critical acclaim. Oh. Let's, I mean, yeah. Watch. So we're going we're gonna to have to go do a, a Pen15 um, sidetrack. Yes. I mean, I, that was most of middle school for me was a big Pen15 sidetrack. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, okay. Hmm. Catering. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Jewish catering. 
yeah, I mean, just just as, just as equal to any other type of catering. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, but they have very specific dishes. I mean, I, it's I'm, not like gross American catering where you could just throw together a piece of American cheese with a little sausage and wrap oh, it in a bun and call it something. True, true, because you can't mix dairy and and meat depending. <laughs> yeah, on the there, kind there's of a very specific menu and specific items that people expect at certain events at Jewish things. I, I'm just saying it's it's uh, I would say in level of difficulty. Uh, and attention needed. It's just it's a slight. I mean, uh, again, maybe if you're, it's, if you're it's just normal, serving. May, again, it doesn't maybe, matter that much. But we don't know. We don't know the extent to this. Maybe maybe this is the question that we have to pose to him for next week. I think honestly that that is. I really want more details about this. Okay. So let's let's tweet that at him and see what he says. The world wants to know what was your involvement in catering Jewish synagogues in 1982. Mr. Karn, hello, hello, yes, yes, uh, uh, Truman and Landon, grunt work, yes, uh, we know that you're actually doing a lot of acting right now and have a lot of career pursuits, we really want to focus more on the odd jobs you were doing in the 80s, <laughs> specifically as it pertains to Jewish catering, uh, no, 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 we're not making a big deal out of the Jewish thing for any weird reason, no, it's just like the, the actual vagaries of that. Um, okay, well, what a wonderful yeah. uh, Karn Corner. Yeah, how about that? It raised more questions than it answered, but, um, <laughs> hey, you know what? We're talking about Karn. You know what? That's that's how seasons uh, get created. Seasons change with the scenery. <laughs> we need cliffhangers. Weaving time in a tapestry. Um, so, here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise you right now. Oh, okay. We're coming out of I was, Karn Corner. I was already surprised by Karn Corner. So Karn Corner is ending. Okay. I can finally get back to the show. I guess I'm just going to start this sentence and be uninterrupted. So anyway... Oh, no! Is that like a punk rock version of the Seinfeld theme? Nope. It's a punk rock version of the Character Actor Corner theme. Oh, man. That's great. That's even better. Because nothing is more punk rock. Brought to you since we have shifted months. We're back to the beginning of all of our Patreon sponsors. Oh, yes. Uh, or Patreonsers. <laughs> Patreonsers. Um, we're back to Cheyenne uh, host, uh, uh, supporting this segment called Character Actor Corner. So thank you, Cheyenne. And we're going into Tom LaGrua. Ooh. Now, I have to admit, we did mention him in a Character Actor Corner previously. Was he... Wait, he wasn't the... I, I don't know who he is. Okay, go on. <laughs> you sure you don't want... Well, do you... <laughs> Okay, because uh, I'm okay. Where I'm trying to find uh, his home improvement because he's in quite a few episodes. Here we go. Okay, so yeah. his first appearance was in "Don't Tell Mama." Yeah, where he played the mechanic. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, the mechanic's name is Eddie. No, okay, but he's back playing a different character now. No, he, he's playing Eddie, and this is why I decided to have a second character actor corner for him because. There was nothing about his appearance in this episode that would tell you that he was the mechanic from the Don't Tell Mama episode. Okay, okay. So I wanted to just redraw our attention to him as a character that's coming back, even though the attention by the show itself wasn't given to him. So he, he because he's just building out the Hamtramck television universe, the <laughs> HTU. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And um, we're going to play uh, our fun meta game, Was He on ER? I've got a quarter here. <laughs> And we're gonna we're gonna flip it and see. And I, I'm curious to go back and listen to your response when I asked you this question the first time we had this character. Beca- the because I I was trying to remember and I can't tell, so I'm okay. gonna let the corn the corn do the hard work. I'm gonna, flip, right. I'm gonna flip a corn. Isaiah Thomas, get out here! Uh, <laughs> hey, callbacks. Uh, These, this is happening in real time. These aren't sound effects. Uh, okay, uh, it's tails, which is no. He was on. ER. Fuck you, quarter. <laughs> I would throw you away if I didn't need you for laundry later. 
Uh, he played a character called Mr. Leonoli. Hey, Mr. Leonoli. Hey, uh, doctor, I got a, the gabagool stuck in my throat. Uh. Oh, if I didn't love you so much, I might take offense. It's still offensive. You know, if I, and if I loved you more, I would probably be aware of the fact that I shouldn't keep doing that. Okay. Um, no, it's, okay. Instead, oh, I am a stupid Finnish person. I got the lutefisk stuck in my throat. Uh, you still sound Italian. Because well, I don't know what a Finnish accent is. I'm sorry. I can't help that your culture has an easier accent for me to do crude impressions of. I will look up, I will look up a Finnish accent and we'll do an entire episode where I just dunk on Finland Great. relentlessly. Fantastic. Uh, anyway, that's been Character Actor Corner for this week. Thank you, Cheyenne. Um, and our character was Eddie McCormick, who is talking to Al now in progress. Well, well now I've lost my place, so I'm just going to just 20 minutes of dead air. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Al is talking to him about that. Uh, Harry comes out and, you know, he says the thing about, oh, you're in a small part. See that corner over there? That's what you own. And Al kind of laughs and goes, oh, it's great that we all feel comfortable enough to joke with each other. Old froggy voice. And <laughs> Harry Harry looks at him and goes, yeah, thanks, Al. And Al goes, ha, no problem, Harry. And that Oh, my kind God. Of... That was – I loved Al so much in that moment. <laughs> the, the, the idea that, yeah, this is a male bonding space where, where dudes can poke fun at dudes, but Al doesn't get to play by those rules. <laughs> Al is playing, well, by the rules he thinks he's playing by, which is why I love it so much. Al makes his own rules. <laughs> uh, and so Tim comes in with the camcorder because with the... the video camera, yeah. Yeah, because the, uh, I guess the tape is stuck in it and he needs a small screwdriver to it get it out. seems like, wouldn't you have that on you? Like, Tim wouldn't have a pocket protector on him, but he would have a little sleeve of tiny... Screwdrivers. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I hope you edit out that burp. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, I have to kind of leave it in and let, and let people understand what's happening. Uh, if he doesn't have it in his pocket, or, or if he doesn't have an emergency one secreted up his rectum, he would yeah. definitely have a like the glove box filled with them. I mean, at Christmas time, uh, was it last year or two years ago, he had a pocket torch. Yeah. So why not some screwdrivers? I, 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 it seems ridiculous to me that a man like Tim would ever have to go to the uh, the hardware store. Yeah. Like Tim, Tim's house is a hardware store. Fair, yeah. Uh, but he comes in because he needs a small screwdriver to get the uh, get the tape out of the camcorder, and he starts fooling around with it. He turns it on and starts videotaping people in the store to kind of showcase how a camcorder works. It was the '90s. This was new age technology. Yeah. And uh, he videotapes Al's butt crack, uh, even though Al has done an admirable job of tucking his shirt in. Like, he's got... Yeah, he's there got, is no butt crack on yeah, this display. There, just like there is no spoon. I'm just saying, that would get a thumbs down on Pornhub if uh, <laughs> if that was a video advertising something that isn't there. People people leaving comments are like, this is a total rip-up, I didn't want this. <laughs> uh, so he, he winds up handing the camcorder to <clears throat> Al, and Al sets the camcorder, hands it to Al and says, be careful with this, and Al sets it down rather precariously, it looked like to me, on top oh, yes. of a shelf. And Wait a minute, are you suggesting that Al did all this on purpose? Well, now, Al does have a little, later when all the, uh, when all of the, the cards fall, when the house of cards collapses uh, on Tim and he is hoisted on his own petard, there is a smile, a, a hint <laughs> of, a, of a suggestion okay. of a smile on it. We'll get to this when we talk we about will. it, but I... There, there's nothing else in this episode to substantiate this, but I think in my own heart of hearts, this is canon. I think we're, I think we are, I think, the, I think we are, are, are hearkening back to our, our past of doing fan theories, because there might be something here. Like, if Al Berland <laughs> yes. is a super spy, this is exactly the kind of shit that a spy would do. Yes, I, but I don't even, I mean, I, I've abandoned the spy idea so much as... The spy just, idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. So much as him just 
doing little things to get back at Tim uh, that wouldn't normally be picked up upon. Yeah. True. I mean, uh, honestly, it it is just, it does seem just like some classic Al revenge. Uh, so he, anyway, he sets the camcorder down conspicuously yep. without pushing the little red button that stops it from recording. <laughs> and uh, Tim and the guys are clustered at the counter talking about Jill's speech. Yeah, which, um, you know, to the, I, I don't want to go through, I, I just, I don't even have the stomach to go through everything that they say, but essentially it's, Tim's speaking like uh, Jill's speech was so boring I had to take a nap. Cue a minute and a half riff from all the guys arguing about whose wife is more boring or yeah, how, dominating or whatever. D- yeah, just just really how boring their wives are. How much they they hate talking. To you them. had to listen to her speech, man. You should just hear when my wife talks about our relationship. Yeah, man. Fuck that that thing that we're both a part <laughs> Again, of it's weird that they're incorporating the f-word into such a primetime show but you know, I, you know it's like deadwood they were progressive in some regards they were progressive in like one regard with the swearing <laughs> and then regressive af and all the yes. other ones um yeah i mean tim's saying that jill is the big bopper of boredom uh she's studying psychology right now she and that is so boring it's it's this ology and that how ology. boring was it <laughs> Uh, you know, now I just fade her out and just go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. At one she point, talks. he calls her the big bopper of boredom. Yes. I did just say that, but you, did. So, but you had faded me out and were just going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, my brain was doing that, for sure. It, it's a, it's just a lot of extended riffing about how boring all of their wives are. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, it, it is, it's an example of locker room talk. Yes. Right? I mean, that's what this whole episode is getting down to, right? It's just, yeah, dudes in their spaces talking Talk, about their wives. Exactly. And Al's there, and I I didn't know what I expected of Al. Because he's kind of lingering in the background of uh, these three guys bitching about how boring their wives are. And I don't know. I, on some level, I think I expected Al to kind of give a, a sideways, like, no, oh, guys, it's not that bad. Yeah. But he really, like, he stood up and said the thing that needed to be said, which is... You know what? I actually like talking and listening to my wife and my girlfriend, I guess Eileen is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, fuck yeah, Al, step up to the locker room talk as it's happening in the place that it's happening. Yeah, it's it, like, I, I, I feel like a season three version of this would be like Al saying, oh man, sometimes Eileen does this really like, you know, and, and make some kind of nerdy play on that, like him being upset or like him complaining about Eileen being boring in some other way. Like sometimes when she, when she gets into the oh, third yeah. hour of talking about orthodontia, whatever, but no, like Alice just, just like sacrificing a little bit of himself mm-hmm. to be one of the guys almost. Yeah. But instead he's just like, maybe it's just cause I'm new in my relationship, but I really like talking to Eileen. <laughs> I love her and I, I care about the things that she's interested in. Yeah. And and the guys, and, and he he says this, and the guys all just go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. God, he's wanted to slap every single one of them. And and Tim says that's because in your relationship you're the boring one. <sighs> Fuck off! I know. And and <laughs> and but like and I, I, I you know so they but they're all just they're all completely spouting off. But Al is is unafraid to stand up for it yeah. uh, for you know for his and he's not he doesn't say like it's wrong of you guys to talk that way. And I don't even know that it's necessarily the guy's job in that situation to say, hey, the way you're talking about your wife is wrong, but just that he leads by example and says, yes. well, I love my wife, I, my girlfriend, I love talking yeah, to her. Yeah, because casting those judgments, you know, there's a time and place for those conversations, and I don't think Al would have been on the, not even the winning side, but even a, you know, 
they're not in a position to be receptive to what he's saying. So yeah. all he can really do, the strongest play he can make here yeah. is to lead by example. Just yeah. go, well, I'm not going to engage with you guys because I think you're the fucked up ones here. Yeah. I enjoy my relationship, so I feel bad that you're in a shitty place with your wives. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, all the hats off to Al. And this now, I, I don't know. Do I, I mean, spoiler alert, guys. Especially if you listen, if you if you skipped over the synopsis because you wanted to be surprised <laughs> by this and didn't watch the episode, this is all being recorded by the camera, of course. Yes. And the thing that kind of bugged me in this episode is we get we see in the next scene the footage of Tim saying all these shitty things, the guys saying all these shitty things, and Eileen is there watching. Like Al and Eileen are there when this footage comes on, but we don't get any of of. You know, because Al is on camera saying all these great things about how much he loves Eileen and how how much how interesting she is. And there's no bit where Eileen is like, "Oh, Al, that's so <laughs> sweet of you." Or there's like, yeah, I was halfway thinking with the way this was getting set up that like, uh, uh like the, the, there'd be like a who's afraid of Virginia Wolf scenario playing out later, where you've got one relationship pitted against another one and the dynamics and then yeah switching back and forth or even just or even just jill saying to tim like why can't you be more like al why yeah. can't you just unabashedly love me and love me in front of your friends <laughs> uh yeah yeah I, I, well okay let's just go into that episode or that yeah. uh that scene we get a tv transition to uh uh everybody well i shouldn't say everybody Tim is asleep on the couch as they're watching uh, Jill give the speech for the library fundraiser. Yes, at now, the library. At, now, I'm going to take a, a extended break here to go into this fucking library. <laughs> we don't have a library corner. We don't have a library. Well, oh, we should at this the, point. <laughs> this, after how much money has been spent on this library, it has some of the finest corners in all of Detroit. <laughs> but just not in podcast land where we are. Um Okay, so my question's about this library. Go. Hit me with all of them. Okay, so we've established it's not a fundraiser, right? Th this, is not, this is the opening of the library. This is the opening... Wait, the opening of the library? Or the, the opening of a section of the library? The library opening is what she calls it. Okay, so this clearly isn't, like, the Detroit library proper. I mean, they, they, like, people who live in the suburbs of Detroit have their own branch libraries yeah. that they go to. But we were kind of speculating over, like, over how much fundraising she needs to do... It seemed only the money could possibly be going to restoration of classic uh, architecture like the DIA has. Yeah, but maybe they're restoring the classic, like, 1970s architecture of the Hamtramck Public Library <laughs> instead. Maybe. So, I mean, I guess it makes more sense to me now that they're fundraising all these years to, like, build from the foundation up a library. That makes sense. Yeah. So I kind of retroactively can make all of that fit. But my questions now come in. Uh, if she's not fundraising, is she a guest speaker? Um, what, what's her involvement in this? I mean, how does she fit it in with trying to study and do work? Or, I mean, studying and go to school? Uh, there's just a lot of things of why this library is a thing. I think, I mean, she, this, this woman has in her career raised $6.8 billion for <laughs> the, for the library. So I think that even if you're not in charge of the fundraisers anymore, like people are going to remember one year to the next how, like they probably, honestly, they probably named the library after her with how much she fundraised for it. The Jill <laughs> Taylor if, Hamtramck branch if library. If she was the guest of honor, wouldn't she like be sitting at a long table next to the podium getting showered with champagne? and uh i i think we only see like the, he, tim said this was a three hour long event at the library <laughs> there were probably 15 speeches ahead of yeah. hers talking her up and then it ends with jill getting up there and saying 
Hey, what's up, y'all? Uh, <laughs> let me talk about like th- thank you, thank you, thank the, you for the roasts. Yes, here. let me drop my uh, my mic now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Gilbert Gottfried. At least I didn't get fired from <laughs> Aflac for being racist years ago. Um, I, I so yeah, I think that um, I mean, I I think she maybe was the guest of honor or something, mm-hmm. or like the president emeritus of the library fundraiser organization. Like she's a distinguished person in the in the world of the library well i'm glad she's getting recognized yes okay well i guess that that tends to make a little bit of sense so she she's giving like a just an honorary speech in terms of the amount of hard work and necessary work that had to be done for the library yeah my my biggest complaint with this is that we see some of the library around her in the background and it's not entirely made of marble and gold It's not, there's not jewel encrusted like shelves up there and a a card catalog made from solid platinum. It conspicuously has the same wallpaper as that, uh, (laughs) the restaurant where they had the fundraiser where they blew up her photo. Oh yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm sure just a coincidence that that happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, they're all, uh, watching the speech on the videotape. Tim has fallen asleep. Al and Eileen are riveted. Which... Good for them because as much as I support Jill, like, okay, can you can you even imagine getting invited over to someone's house to watch a video of them giving a speech at a library? No, not at all. That would be like send me a YouTube link, dude. That I that I will not watch. I will watch it two speed. Uh, <laughs> Just so that you get that view, so that you know, like, you sent it to me and you didn't watch it go from seventeen to eighteen. You know that I watched it. Yeah. And I picked up a little bit so that I can at least reference it in a conversation. Yeah, you have two bullet points yeah. for when you talk about <laughs> exactly. it. I love that thing at the beginning and the thing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she she gives a quote by her favorite poet, Elizabeth as Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Yeah. This, is it her favorite, though? She had to get it from Wilson. Spoiler alert for well, that. Well, she describes it as her favorite in, in the speech. Yeah. And, she, I, uh, you know, the quote by my favorite poet, Elizabeth Barrett Browning books 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 and i really i really just wish that the whole thing is just books 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 that if that that would have this would have been the funniest episode of any show if, if that was just or the entire thing was just her saying books being hamtramck public library yes <laughs> uh so they're you know and they're all they're all watching this I gotta say, this speech is way more than any library deserves. Yeah, I mean, not that libraries are undeserving, but yeah, fuck libraries. The, the amount of emotion and and thought that Jill put into this speech, like, really comes off. I, I've found I, I could sense her passion for it. I feel like the amount of effort and energy she puts into this speech is roughly commensurate to the amount of effort and energy she's put into raising funds for this library over the past four years i this is this is the culminating like it may not feel like much to us at home but to her this is the end of a very long journey this is this is all those hobbits getting on that boat and sailing off at the end of uh, return of the king this is she has been through some shit i i you know we are only in season four so i'm just saying there might be another library trilogy like the hobbit uh in our future (laughs) oh god that would be an unexpected expected journey <laughs> oh my goodness um so after the the speech ends uh the hardware store footage pops up with yep. al and eileen on the couch yeah and and you know it starts off with this shot of of al's butt crack and <laughs> or well of al's butt and jill goes hey whose butt is that on screen and then eileen turns around and goes i know whose butt it is <laughs> and I mean, it takes a very special relationship to know how a man tucks his shirt into the back of his pants. Yeah. Just without seeing his face. 
yeah, to you be know, able to identify him that way. But also, Jill has known Al for years and years. <laughs> you can't recognize a man's butt at that point. Like, I don't know if I could recognize most of my friends' butts, actually, so maybe I shouldn't criticize. <laughs> I don't want to do a butt lineup of my friends. Uh, but... Lineup. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm dead. I've been murdered. <laughs> There's nothing else. Uh, so Al, Al recognizes, uh, calling back to what you were saying earlier, like they excuse themselves. Al and Eileen excuse themselves real quickly. Be, yeah, because partly because they can sense the oncoming uh, typhoon that's about to come. The, the typhoon starts blowing in off the ocean. Like he starts saying, <laughs> like, oh, Jill's speech was so boring, and Jill is reacting to it. And then Al is just like, oh, yep, we got to go. Oh, yeah, early morning. <laughs> and they're grabbing their stuff. And, yeah. and Tim Tim goes, this is not a grump. He goes, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, Al and Eileen are grabbing their stuff and going. And Tim's like, hey, hey, uh, do you guys want to stick around? Have some coffee? I can make some espresso. I'll bake you a pie. Do you want to stay the night? <laughs> stay a couple nights. Uh, again, I just love how Tim is this big manly man who is so scared of his wife yelling at it. Like, He's he's so scared of his wife yelling at him. Not scared enough that he won't do shitty things, yeah. but he is scared enough that he will try and move heaven and earth to keep people around to protect him from his wife's anger. Which, that alone should be reason enough to not fucking do shit like this in the first place. Like, if you can't confront the person with what you're saying behind their back, you shouldn't be saying it in the first place. If you can't... Sorry, can you hear me off the top of my high horse? <laughs> <laughs> no, you need you need a megaphone or something, man. I'm, okay. I'm down here in the mud. I can't hear it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Yeah. Ironic, I should be giving that advice to Tim Allen because he did both the crime and the time, <laughs> uh, but he evidently didn't learn from it. Yeah, and and the people that would say it to your face are problematic in a way different way. Yeah. And I just you know, there's there's no call for this shit. Any which way you swing it, yeah. A- any any which way, including loose. There's no. There's no. <laughs> it's it's not acceptable. But he tries. So the this whole like why oh, this is what drives me nuts. And I guess you know I just want to remind people. I know that we're talking about a sitcom where problems have to come up and be resolved. Landon, you you need to calm your horse down there. It's rearing up and back. <laughs> it, it is can a sen- little bit. It can smell your anger <laughs> and my fear at your anger. My delicate snowflake blims are gonna break off soon, but they're gonna melt from your rage. <laughs> I'm gonna, but luckily I'm a snowflake, so I'll lightly fall to the ground if I get thrown from this horse. Um, but <laughs> the he immediately starts going into any excuse except taking responsibility for um, what he said. You like know. you do, yeah, yeah. He goes immediately into the locker room talk. Guys have to talk this way. Yeah, you know? this, this is male bonding. This is what we do. Yeah. I don't mean any of it. I just say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I, this, I didn't know, I, this was a private conversation, I never knew you were going to hear it, this was a conversation that wasn't supposed to be recorded, and, you know, it's a conversation you weren't supposed to hear, and, or it's a conversation you shouldn't have heard, and then Jill says it was a conversation you shouldn't have had. Yes. Which, again, you know, this is, I think, I just took your cue that you were about to say no, this. No, no, go, but for, I'm go for it, man. Just jump in uh, jump. front of the train uh, before you. The... The train of righteousness? That yeah, it's exactly. a good thing to get hit by? Yep. Uh, it's the love train. This is where I feel like in season three, Jill would have just stormed off and left him going, ah, I fucked up somehow. But... I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you said but... you haven't seen RoboCop. I've seen those clips from okay, RoboCop. Okay. Uh, original Grunthead Scott Kersey posted one one time, and then I went <laughs> on kind of a YouTube black hole of all those clips from RoboCop. Gotcha. Um, so this is where... 
I think we we see a bit of a sea change where she doesn't just acquiesce. Yeah. She doesn't just live in the double standard. I mean, the double standard's there, but she puts her foot down and says, no, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not acceptable. You're being yeah. a jackass here. Yeah. He says something like, you know, you talk to your friends that, you know, you, you talk about me that way with your friends. And she says, no, I t- like I say all my problems with you to your face. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it, it was very. Well, and this is the, the problem. I mean, to go back to what they're actually saying in this video. Yeah. Right. Like there's one thing to, to male bond over experience and commiseration and talk about your experience with something like, oh, my God, I'm having a rough time. Yeah, being on board with Jill studying psychology. Yes, I'm, I'm. I find it hard to connect with her on these subjects. You know, things that I don't have any interest in, and she has a lot of interest in. Yeah. Instead, it boils down to I'm right, she's boring. Fuck life, right, guys? More like fuck wife. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. I mean, it, there. Yeah. It's not like the feelings that he's that he or any of these guys are expressing are wrong. Like it's just, I don't know. I feel like even Tim's brother kind of does a better job. I mean, like cause really, because yeah, really, what Tim, what Tim is what Tim is doing here is a shade of what his brother came and was talking to him about. And it's just like you know, oh man, I'm I'm having these problems with my wife, and it's upsetting me, and I, I have these problems. And what Wilson tells Tim in the end is basically, you need to create a safe space, male bonding zone for him to talk about this stuff. And, like, the way that his brother is saying it is, like, I love her. Things used to be great. I'm just feeling all these things now. It's like there's no time for us. I'm feeling like I want to leave. Yeah. And, like, what Tim and the guys are saying here is just, yeah, this, I'm restating your point. But just, yeah, women women are boring. Women who well, want to talk about their relationships with us or pursue interests outside of child rearing are boring. I mean, but I think even that is – it's not great. But it's a step above what they actually do, which is – Taking a complicated situation and boiling it down to one person having a personality trait that they just don't agree with or that they don't like. Yeah. You know, it's – I'm glad you brought Marty back into this. Marty! <laughs> That's how I brought him back. I went and, I went and yelled to him. Uh, I, I think that his approach – you know, we talked about this on that episode. Uh, what one was it? He's just uh, – he's he ain't heavy. He's just respons- irresponsible, uh, which yeah. is not a – Easy title to say, yeah, off nor, the cuff. nor a good title either. <laughs> but to look at that, as we discussed, of him needing something, someone to vent to, someone to kind of organize his thoughts, just expel these things. But at no point does he go, "Man, Nancy's a bitch." Yeah, man, she's really changed after she had the kids. I really, you know, hate what she's doing now. Yeah, no, I, you can tell how vile I am to people I, oh, around I, me. I, I can't know. even come up with insults. <laughs> Well, for someone who's on his high horse so much, you know a thing or two about the mud. I just, I'm surprised I got the B word out because it's not a word I usually like to call women. But um, <laughs> it's, I, I do think he did, he approached it way better than Tim does. And, you know, yeah, he's not engaging in locker room talk. This sort of shit is just like, this is stuff that we can say between the guys and, you know, no one will ever hear it. So we could just get all this out. And, you know, yeah. like, it's the nowadays version of, anonymously commenting somewhere right that 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 conversation in the hardware store is basically youtube comments <laughs> like they're analog youtube comments if you look on the if you look on the comment section of one of the video blogs that tim allen's character on last man standing does <laughs> that is that is what is playing out now luckily it's it's just jill taylor going oh my god he's so boring when is he gonna stop talking about hunting rifles oh god his voice is so shrill <laughs> um so so 
it, things, d- yeah, this conversation plays out in an angry fashion, yeah. and uh, Tim does not accept that he did something wrong, mm-hmm. and Jill says, you know, this conversation is over, and, well, because they go back and forth on, this conversation was private, this conversation shouldn't have happened, something else conversation, well, this conversation is over, and Tim goes, good, because I'm tired of saying conversation, <laughs> and Jill storms upstairs. Yeah. Well, and I do want to say, the the moment that Jill got me that this was a change for me was when tim says oh this is you know he just tries to play it off as like this is just stuff we say at the hardware store i just say it i don't mean it she literally says that's insane yes and i'm like oh my god i mean i expected her to do a little pushback but like that is calling out the problem in a way that needs to be called out it it just feels like for so much of this show i mean jill who's this very very uh headstrong and and uh very self-assured person who's very intelligent and stands up for herself and is very outspoken so much of the cognitive dissonance of this show is it feels like she's fighting with one hand tied behind her back all the time because the show is ultimately from the male perspective yes this is like the first episode where she's actually swinging and punching (laughs) and hitting and Uh, other fight uh... metaphors (laughs) Outside of uh, karate, you're not here. I come. Yes, when George Foreman is there <laughs> on her side, uh, but this is her being. Oh, I was talking about when uh, the Mark's karate class, where she oh, pushes, what, which uh, actually punches Bertha. Bertha. <laughs> yeah, the, look, this is her being Mike Tyson and taking a bite <laughs> out of uh, Tim Allen's ear. And uh, this is not the Evander Holyfield episode. That was Eva Construction of last season. A lot of boxers on this show. <laughs> you know what? Actually, Benford actually produces Benford boxers. Uh, which Tim wears on this show. Um, anyway, this scene gets taken away by the vaudeville stick, which makes me wonder, did the grunt creep get in a fight with the grunt creepette uh, early on and uh, get pulled away by the vaudeville stick? I, I, I don't know, because the vaudeville stick only now shows up when you're being problematic and a bad husband. <laughs> you know what? The world could do a lot better with uh, with that in the world. If we had, yeah, if we just had vaudeville sticks all the time, that 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 is that is what would get our society back on the right track. Secretary of Vaudeville. So we go from this pretty intense debate <laughs> about like the nature of male bonding and uh-huh. how men and women relate to a slow pan up. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm still just kind of like th- this. Is, this was almost as, even though this is far more plausible in the realm of reality, this was almost as trippy, if not more so <laughs> than than Truman a little bit than the four inch tall sojourn through the car engine. We the slow pan up Heidi's legs and up her body to her face, and it's a nice trip. I don't mind any of what I'm seeing, but she's it's she's wearing a poodle skirt and she's wearing saddle shoes. Yes, up and back in the saddle shoes for the first time for <laughs> Heidi. And um and and chewing pink angora sweater yeah and and chewing ponytail. chewing gum and blowing it and popping it uh, I, I'm giving these details because it's uh, important to what's to come yes momentarily and she says something to the tune of it's rock and roll day on tool time does everybody know salute to rock and roll yeah I guess yeah. oh no she does say rock and roll day yeah it's just weird I it is weird that they would need. This. It, it's weird that any of this happened. I don't know why this happened. It has. It, it does not apply. So, anyway. Because she starts dancing to the theme song after wait, wait, she introduces them. A, a rock and rollized version of yep. the Tool Time theme. And she starts she, like. She gets real into it. Sock hop type dancing, swishing her skirt <laughs> up and around. And it's just. It keeps going. It keeps going. It's uh, and like Tim and Al walk out and they're wearing like daddy o type clothes and and shades and everything, but I'm just like, 
is it that is it that that Debbie Dunning like is into fifties sock hop dancing and they wrote this <laughs> around her doing that? Was it that they wanted to put her in a tight sweater and a skirt? I don't know. I I I know you had not as vivid or intense of a reaction, but a similar one to the boys coming out as the Three Stooges last season. In that you said, "Is it still going? Can it stop? Can it stop? Why is it still going?" Were your words on the couch? Yes, those were my <laughs> words. You really take careful notes on some things. <laughs> on some things, I do have a note on the calendar. Okay. Um, God damn it! But uh, I actually, I really like this that they, unlike Lisa, so many years ago, uh, are giving her like, oh, now we know she loves to dance. She's lo- she's in the music. Like that's a thing. Like she can get carried away and lost, and like that's a character trait that I can kind of find endearing and latch onto. I get okay, I guess so. It just I think part of it for me is I was in one mood when that scene yes. ended and then and it then, wasn't a good transition. It was jarring. It was. I, uh, I will hundred percent give you that. But uh, I don't know and and part of it I just felt so weird because it's like, wait, are, are is this like is this supposed to be like I don't know? Part of me felt like, are they trying to make her a sex thing? Like, is this supposed to be like I, I didn't I didn't know how I was supposed to feel about well, it. I like, think this is less of a sex thing than her normal appearance oh, in the like tiny shirts and uh, shorts. I suppose so. It just felt so weird to suddenly just in the middle of this bunch of super intense rock and yes. roll dancing. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's less disconcerting to me than the next two seconds. That happened after she gets off screen, where, where she is, where she runs over by the monitor and is embarrassed. No, where Tim and Al come out. Okay, yes, uh, dressed in their fifties like rock and roll shirts. Yeah, the yeah. the kind of rock and roll shirts that look like bowling shirts. Yeah, uh, I don't remember those in Greece, but you know maybe they were there. But yeah. uh, they come out in sunglasses. This whole thing had a very Dan Aykroyd nowadays feel <laughs> to it. <laughs> Important Which, distinction to make. I don't know how you feel about Dan Aykroyd nowadays, but I saw, I watched Blues Brothers 2000 not too long ago. What? Why would you do that? Because I watched the first Blues Brothers and I hadn't seen the second one. And you had to see how the story ended. (laughs) I hadn't seen the second one since the theaters uh, when I, you know, 20 years ago. And I'm like, is this movie as bad as I remember it? And I put it on just to test those waters. I did not finish it. Oh, Jesus. It's that bad. But... This is this might get me in a little hot water here, but my synopsis of Blues Brothers 2000, and it applies to this opening bit here on Tool Time, is that Dan. It feels like Dan Aykroyd is your father who shows up on prom night, drunk, and hits on your girlfriend in the middle of the dance. It's that embarrassing, you know. And the thing about Dan Aykroyd is that and and they've discussed they've discussed this some on the flop house too about specifically as it pertains to nothing but trouble that like Dan Aykroyd <laughs> was so great in the 80s I think partially because he wasn't at the time big enough that everyone signed off on everything that he did like mm-hmm. so like his original script for Ghostbusters was absolute insanity yeah it was and like it, 250 pages of just loose written stuff like that someone had to time travel together. was involved in yeah. all this craziness and like and and you know Harold Ramis got involved and was like, no, let's just, let's just, <laughs> there's a good idea in here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. just pare it back. Yes. Right. You can be in it, Dan. And, the, but now like just like his, his fame and his wealth and such and his clout. And he's such an icon now that, yeah, he, he makes, he makes vodka about crystal heads, <laughs> or, well, vodka and crystal heads. And he has all these weird conspiracy UFO beliefs and he does all these insane things. 
Uh, and yeah, I, you know, I think that Dan Aykroyd is, he got, he got, it's not too big to fail. He got so big that now he can only fail because there's no one saying no to Dan Aykroyd. I think a lot of people are saying no to him now, but because they saw Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah, it's it's the it's the oblivious. You know, there's a certain charm I think to dads who think they're hip but know they're not and still act hip. Yeah, but they the key is that they know they're not. Yeah, and so the humor comes from still doing it even though knowing you're not, and in a weird inverted way. You then become hip, yes. kind of again. Yes, where Dan Aykroyd thinks he can dance, yeah, and thinks he's hip and cool, and that's what this opening part feels like to me. And again, I think what the Flophouse said—they they had a similar uh, uh, like I, I belief about it or something. It was like he that Dan Aykroyd is kind of the forever version of your friend's dad who spends one weekend in New Orleans and then just gets really into jazz, and that's like his thing. <laughs> Uh, that's basically that's basically him. Yeah, and that's basically the opening here, where Tim and Al come out wearing sunglasses, and Tim is introduced as Tim the Cool Man Taylor, uh, and, joined and, always by Al. No, he calls him Alvis Borland. Oh, Elvis Borland. Okay, because Al- I forgot Alvis. And you know what? In a a rare show for Home Improvement, we see something that Al can't do. And he cannot do an Elvis impersonation. <laughs> no, he's not great. I says, thank you very much. That's, that's Kelsey Grammer doing an Elvis impression. <laughs> I feel like Kelsey Grammer could do a pretty good Elvis. I don't know. Give, I don't have evidence of it, but it seems like he could. Give me that. The man is a consummate actor. He could completely... I want to see... Well, so is Richard Karn, but Elvis impressions just aren't in his wheelhouse. I want to see Kelsey Grammer in the Elvis story. Give it to me. <laughs> Kelvis. Um... Yeah, my other note here is is Tim wearing Converse. Uh, oh, okay. So they're, yeah, they're making a rockin' chair. Oh God. Um. So <laughs> that is we the don't need only to, reason it's rock and roll day. We don't need to talk about that because that's equally hurts my stomach. But um, Tim immediately abandons everything to have one of his let me talk to the audience and camera about my own problems mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Uh, and his big issue here is men need to let off steam am i right guys men need places they can go to to just let off some steam and complain about women right am i right guys heaven forbid white men are silenced and can't say exactly what they think at all times of the day you know the biggest problem with america is that you know all these kids today on their college campuses they need safe spaces where you can't say things you know men just need (laughs) places they can go to like spaces where it's safe for them to say racist sexist shit all the time you know like see Safe spaces are bad, but, like, safe spaces are good. <laughs> and That's scene. essentially what happens here. He does ask two guys in the audience. One is, is too problematic for Tim, saying that uh, he needs to let off steam because he's in divorce court with his wife. Yeah. And the other one saying, oh, well, I, I did that a lot when I was in prison. Yeah. <laughs> well, and honestly, I think this is, again, this is, I think... More examples of how well written this episode is because Tim is working through this. Yeah, this is the first. This episode is notable because Tim doesn't solve this problem by getting advice from Wilson that he butchers. Yeah, Tim goes to other sources, namely his audience on the show and his kids, and kind of learns for himself. Like Tim goes out there and he's he's saying like, "Yeah, I want to be able to complain <clears throat> about women, don't you guys? What about you? Yeah, I complain about women all the time. I'm divorced. What about you? I complain about women all the time when I was in prison." And he's like, and then Tim backs. He's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> All right, like, and Tim just, like, he's... You realize there's no one in his corner in this particular instance. Yes, yeah. uh, Tim Allen's misogyny corner. So, <laughs> Tim Taylor. Tim Ta- well, yes, Tim Taylor's misogyny corner. So he, he goes... So, yeah, 
there's really no supporters there. So yeah. then he goes back to the, then there's a two minute scene on the wood lathe that we don't really need where Tim gets yes. his shirt sucked off, which we we've seen the wood lathe before. Yes. Uh, the 6,100 variable speed wood lathe to be specific. Yeah. Um, which is interesting that they are just recycling some of the tool time segments, I guess. Um, well, they, but they put a rock and roll spin on this one. <laughs> I guess so, uh, new calendar alert. Oh, Jesus. I'm not going to go too deep into it since we are talking about misogyny. And I do want to specify whenever I bring up the calendar, it's not because I'm like, a, Ooh, a babe on a calendar. It's that there is secrets hidden inside of this calendar that need to be unraveled. It's not a sex thing. It's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> exactly. Thing. Also aliens, <laughs> aliens, uh, I think also it would be uh, like it's totally acceptable to say, "Hey, there's a babe on this calendar," but then just you know, like you know, but if she wants, I'm to talking about it, my obsession with it. It's not oh. an obsession because it has a babe on the calendar. I'm saying my obsession is that there's a conspiracy that needs to be taken down. Okay, certainly. I'm just saying <laughs> if you're obsessed with that babe on the calendar and you also want her to like be able to run for Congress or like go back yes. to school, you know what? She she's more like, look, she is a totally bodacious babe. She's got an awesome bod. If <laughs> she also you know what else? What? Inside that awesome bod is an awesome mind. <laughs> and it's not really on display in this calendar format, but I'm sure she has a lot to say. Yeah, and you know what? I'm sure she can say that a lot more eloquently and with more authority than I ever could. Yes. Uh, which is why I don't say it. All I'm going to say is that Heidi's on the calendar now. Oh, hey! Yeah, good for Heidi. our masquerade girl next to the drill press is gone. Our eyes wide shut girl. And now it's Heidi, not really with power tools, but she ha- she's sitting on the end of a fitness bench with two dumbbells in the air and has oh. a little lavender border. And uh, um, I'm just happy to see Heidi represented. Yeah, good for good for her being being out there. And uh, they finally uh, they finally had enough time with Heidi to uh, be able to do a photo shoot with her that they can put up on uh, the background of the show. Exactly. So now I am. Uh, pulling my red yarn to another point on my cork board and it's getting one step closer to solving this mystery and we'll find out what it is how do you know you're one step closer how many steps i have a new lead let me put it that way okay crack in the case okay yes there's you you've hammered yet another crack into that (laughs) big glass ceiling of this case Uh, uh all right to finish the scene tim talks about uh, safety and wearing no loose clothing and it gets sucked into the thing even though he's standing like four feet in front of the lathe. He, he says something about like the line he said like people have been writing his letters about this and you're right you know we, we're, it's dangerous to wear a necktie around power tools or something and it's like fair point there like Tim is wearing a necktie in virtually every episode of Tool Time yeah. which is really not a good thing to wear around power tools. Right. Uh, it's never been. A, I ho- I just hope that he isn't. I, like it would be cool if people were writing into Home Improvement saying, "Hey, this isn't safe." And then if going forward he doesn't wear ties anymore on the so- show. The downside is yeah. we wouldn't get any more Tim ties, which yeah. I like. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Once uh, feminism and uh, racial issues and sexist issues, once those are all solved, we'll get into safety issues. <laughs> if there's any of us left alive, at that <laughs> exactly. Um, so we go from tool time. To our backyard Wilson scene, and guess what? It's with Jill, a Jilson scene, a Jilson scene, and it's a juicy Jilson scene. It really, really is. This is this is great. This is dynamite stuff. This is okay. Let's just let's let's not build it up with coming attractions. Let's just get into it. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Landon with his chin on his hands, looking at me as though we are at a malt shop. Uh, so. <laughs> 
they go out there. Uh, Jill goes out to talk to Wilson. At first, you know, she she says, "Hey, uh, can you keep an eye on the boys? I have to go to class, and yep. Tim isn't back yet." Wilson is trimming his tree. Yes, and, and he's holding a bunch of branches in his face when he's talking. And and but it doesn't matter because we saw his full face in the last episode. Life is a lie. <laughs> uh, she. So first, she thanks Wilson for giving her that that poetry quote that she used. Yeah, which does that mean she cheated on her speech? I don't think so because she wasn't getting a grade. Like she might have just said but that's like, what, like if it if it's her favorite author and favorite quote, why would she have to get it from you know somebody else? Man, I think she cheated a little. You bit. can you can I mean, but in what sense? How did she like? There, it's not an evaluate. It's not a competition. You don't. She didn't cheat. Like maybe she fudged the rules or bent the rules. Social status. Mm. Oh, yes. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> so she talks about what Tim did, you know, about the whole thing with the yes. videotape. And and Wilson says, oh, I guess I can expect Tim out here pretty soon. <laughs> and, and I like that little inside baseball moment. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, I mean, it's inside baseball with the entire audience, I guess. Well, but. yeah, but I mean, like, to, to get a sense that, like, oh, yeah, no, things are happening in between the commercial breaks of the show. <laughs> Uh, Tim side baseball. <laughs> uh, but so Jill, Jill says, well, no, you can't because he doesn't even think he did anything wrong. Mm. And then Wilson, I, I was just trying to take, I was just trying to write down verbatim a lot of what they said. Oh, and I'm I glad you did. Failed. I, I got only a little bit, Wilson, which means zero. Wilson says, you know, ex psychologist said, you know, well, or, oh, hold on. I actually, this is oh, one okay. thing I did yeah, write, which yeah. I want to, I, I was hoping you took this note because literally at lunch, right before we recorded this, yeah. uh, I don't remember what the context in our conversation was, but you had said something like, is Wilson a uh, Jungian or oh, Freudian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got answered in this episode. Like, yeah. it's so weird that that, that like, you put it out in the universe, just like the secret, and it gave back. <laughs> You got your answer right away. If I knew that the secret was powerful enough to influence TV shows recorded in the nineties, I would completely. I would. I would make. What some... do you want to see on your next Cheers episode? Oh man, I want to see Niles and Marty show up and hang out with uh, Sam and Norm and Cliff. Uh, which honestly, I think they do in a later season Frasier episode. So maybe, maybe that. Just go happened. rewatch that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. Um, because he says it's Freud that says da da da. I don't know. I don't know if it was Freud or if it was another. I don't know. They talk about Freud and Jung eventually, but well, first he says Freud, and then she counters with no, no. no oh. But it was Jung who said. Yeah, but he he says men relieve their isolation by bonding with their fellow men over common fears and experiences. Mm -hmm. And Jill, and so he says this, and I'm thinking like, oh, okay, great. And then Jill's gonna say, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's okay that he did this. And Jill says that's ridiculous. He was talking about men as it applies to you know therapeutic situations, yes. not a bunch of men dumping on their wives yes and you get this kind of look on wilson's face, like he's never been challenged with this before <laughs> and he goes I and, and i so then and then they just kind of go back and forth he says well yeah you know he we it really was, it was something like copernicus or I well, know, some he, other he, renowned he, therapist he quotes freud it was, it was freud who said sometimes a cigar is just a cigar and jill says well young said that men can be educated to be you know people can be educated to be better than they are aren't yeah. they and <laughs> and uh, so, but, so then it ends with like I'm again they, we, they have a, a they spar back and forth a couple times. This is a, you could tell Wilson's like oh I got my my work cut out for me like I might not just be able to have one piece of fortune cookie advice and be done with my day. This is this, I just wish every episode had Jill talking to Wilson now because this is so <laughs> much better. This is a, they're actually debating the. This is what the Wilson scenes could be. This is what Wilson promises. It's a yeah. family sitcom about ordinary, everyday folks, and you've got a Frasier type out back 
who can actually highlight the philosophical underpinnings of all these things. And you can have an actual debate about that based on here's what the experts say. I'm going to sidetrack us for a half a second, even though this is getting really long. But uh, that's how you do your home improvement reboot. Now that Wilson's dead, you have Tim call into the Fraser Crane show to get his weekly advice. It's also a Fraser reboot, I guess. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, he they're are... both on Fox now, so Home Improvement yeah. would be on Fox. Yeah, they, they've already he he already has called into uh, Kelsey Grammer to talk about Kelsey Grammer's new shoe, new shoe, <laughs> proven innocent. Uh, Tim Allen, how did you get this number? Fox gave it to me. I I, I watched that a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, but so Jill then quotes another yeah. therapist, and I I don't remember which one it was. I think this is a female therapist. But uh, said, if women, you know, when this this therapist said, when women talk about people behind their backs, it's gossip. When men do it, it's bonding. Yes, bring out the double standard. It's I mean, a, that's the, what this episode's about. Yeah. Or should be, and I'm glad that they made it that. And Wilson just kind of sits there for a second and just goes, ever since you went back to school, you've made things very difficult for me. <laughs> and it, but it's like, th- this, is, this, this is such a turning point because it's... You know, I was expecting Wilson to try and do some Iron John bullshit about how men are the way that they are, and it's just men being men. He almost did, at the forefront, kind of go into that when he, I think, when he assumed it was going to be a quick, let me give you some advice scenario before getting the sparring match. Um, And I was a little worried. I'm like, oh no, is Wilson going to be part of the problem here, where he's just forgiving other men's behaviors and, and trivializing and... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, trivializing is fine. Yeah. Uh, Jill's experience and her side of the this thing, and like I hope they don't leave it at that with Wilson. I, I and they didn't. They got you know. Yeah. Jill, yes, she she brings the issue to the forefront, saying you can't just you know forgive him and let him be himself. This is an issue here. Yeah. In relation to Jill in this scene, I, I want to use a quote that I have coined word that uh, a couple you know a couple of words that I, that I thought of and that I I think um really best describe her Yas Queen you know <laughs> again that's going to catch on it's a Truman Camps original uh <laughs> in relation to Jill uh truly Yas um so from this we go back inside we go inside and uh Randy is still kicking it with the magic he's doing a magic trick with brad we don't really see what the magic is. it's just like is this so, your card yeah uh, this is your card trick whoa also the name of i want to see someone do a magic special just called kicking it with the magic that was probably <laughs> the name of a 90s magic special <laughs> for kids like the, the magician turns a chair around backwards and his baseball cap around backwards and sits down and starts doing close-up magic for you <laughs> yo dudes oh man is this your card <laughs> Whoa, man. Quarter in your ear. Radical. No, pog in your ear. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, so, But this mark comes down. Yes. And to continue with these changes this season. Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. Mark, um, mark does something a little devious here, doesn't he? Yeah, he has swiped the tape. Yeah, that, from the, from their parents' bedroom. Yeah. And, it, he, cause, and he brings it to Mark and Randy, or uh, to Brad and Randy, knowing... That they're going to have a vested interest in doing something they shouldn't be. Yeah, they want to find out what mom and dad were fighting about. Point of order. Okay. You got a couple of kinky-ass parents, and you go into their room (laughs) and steal a secret tape. It is only only by the grace of God that what they see is the tape that made them fight, and not a tape (laughs) that did something else entirely. Considering they probably store that video camera in the bedroom. I mean, why else would they have a camcorder? You really think... (laughs) Like, well, especially with Tim in the house. To film Tim on his birthday uh, in a super close-up for some reason. Yeah, but some other things... Yeah, to film Tim on his birthday in super close-up of some other things that happened after the Blue Angels. Yikes. Um, 
Like that's Tim's. Yeah, that is that is uh, tumultuous waters there. Yes. Oh, it's it's it is it is a uh, uh, shark infested waters, but the sharks are horny. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, they put the tape in and they start watching it, and we're reliving the locker room talk moment again. Yeah, Shanzilla makes a little appearance behind Mark's head. Yeah, and Shanzillas are going like, "Oh, this is problematic. I'm a parrot, I guess. <laughs> you know what I like." <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, your, your, your Wallace Shawn sounds like Andy Rooney, yeah, <laughs> as done by Truman Caps. As done by a parrot. <laughs> See, this is a new wave of impersonation. You are melding Gilbert Godfrey's Aladdin parrot with Andy Rooney to come up with a Wallace Shawn impression. All, so this is, the new, this is the new trend in impressions, is just doing an impression of one of the most annoying voices <laughs> in the world. Pretty much. It's just Gilbert Godfrey doing an impression of this person. It's, I can basically only do a Gilbert Godfrey impression. Yeah, and I'm not going to. Good. Um, they, I, our podcast can only take so, so much Godfrey at once. <laughs> and Tim comes in while they're watching this tape, and he yells at them, and my, I, I stopped breathing for the rest of the scene because i'm like oh this is going to be a teachable moment or it should be between him and his kids how is he going to handle his kids watching him put down their mother in front of him yeah and you know he he first he's like no no, don't watch it it's adult stuff you wouldn't understand and randy goes you're making fun of mom what's hard to understand and he goes "No, no no i'm not making fun of your mom i'm making fun of my wife and randy goes dad i don't know how to tell you this but they're the same person and he says, oh, it's a joke. She knows it. And then Mark goes, if if she knows it, why isn't she talking to you? And Tim, like, Tim is just shucking and jiving and, like, trying to explain this yeah, and excuse it's, this. It's one thing if you're shucking and jiving with someone that you can get in trouble with, which, you know, I'm not excusing that at all. But, like, I can see that being more logical in Tim's mind when dealing with Jill. But... His kids aren't going to yell at him. I mean, like, he should just be like, look, I fucked up here. Well, and so he, what he says is, well, there's, what he says to explain it to Mark is, look, there's things you can say in public spaces, public spaces like hardware stores that you can't say in the privacy of your home. And the kids are just like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And he basically, he winds up, and then he says, look, it's disrespectful to say things about other people behind their backs when they're not there, especially if a camera is rolling. Like, he, he is going through all these permutations of trying to excuse it. I like I liked this scene. Like, yeah, obviously the big thing to do is to see your kids seeing this and say, "No, that that wasn't right. That was wrong that I did this." Yeah, Tim, that's not true to Tim's character. True. Yeah, of course. So instead, he is going through all like he's trying to justify it to his kids, and you can kind of see in his performance. Tim Allen is a good actor. Yeah, you can see him like realizing as he's trying to defend it. Like, I'm kind of defending the indefensible. There's no way to deal with this or to to respond to this. And when Jill walks in, and Jill goes in, comes in a second later. The kids go upstairs. And Tim, like some of Tim's first words to Jill are, I'm sorry, I, I started getting laughs, I got on a roll, you know how yeah. I am, and it got out of hand. And so that's just Tim openly apologizing, not turning it into a joke, not doing a big stunt. He feels bad, and he understands now that what he did was bad, and that it's worthy of an apology. Again, it's yeah. not great, but like I, what I took this scene to be is... And this is, again, why I think this episode is very, very well written. Tim tries to justify it to his Tool Time audience, and he realizes the only people agreeing with him are people who he doesn't really want to be like. He then tries to justify it to his children, and he... Real, like he even like he can't he can't explain his actions to his son and it's like going through these two sets of conversations he realizes oh 
I, I was wrong. If this was like Tim goes on this journey himself by trying to justify his behavior to other people to make himself feel better about it, and he can't do that, so then he realizes he has to apologize. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I, I mean, I now that you say it, I can see that. It's not something I picked up on while watching it. The these kind of like learnable moments of Tim. Uh, so I know I'm kind of reassessing my opinion about Tim's wrongheadedness about this. Like I, I was, I, maybe I was a little too knee jerky about judging him. I mean, he's certainly worth judging in this oh, episode, yeah, but, yeah. but I feel like, I that's, guess I just, I, I didn't, I, I was too blinded by my own judgment to really view the trajectory of his change in this episode. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, yeah, obviously there's laughs and it's funny when Tim is trying to weasel out of it, talking to his kids. But I feel like the point of it is we're laughing at how fallacious Tim's arguments. Are. Well, like, we're, you know, Tim trying to shuck and jive, but it's not, yeah. it's not working. And the fact that he goes from trying to defend it to his kids to then facing off to his wife and immediately just saying like, this was wrong. I'm sorry that I did this. Which that, you know, this is where I think my reassessment is coming in because I felt that that was fairly ungenuine when he came off to say, I'm sorry. Mm. I think, and I, I'm saying I'm, I'm yeah, 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 re- no, no, re-guessing no, 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 that no, now no, yeah. because my initial instinct was he knows he fucked up. He he hasn't been able to wriggle out of this, and therefore, like he's shown in the past, the only last course of uh, uh, action is to just apologize and move forward, but not really know what you're apologizing for. Yeah. But I guess now I can see that he has kind of learned a little bit. I, I mean, yeah, he 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 both. And again, he acknowledges, you know, he says that he's sorry and he actually looks at like, you know, he like what I did was wrong. It was mm-hmm. not OK for it's not he's not defending it now is like, oh, it's OK for me to do this in these spaces. It's yeah, I was talking about these things and I started getting laugh. He said, like, you know how I am. I started getting laughs and he's like acknowledging it as a failing of his. Yeah. And so that to me and also just the way that i don't know and again i'm going off of tim allen's performance also but like he has this isn't him kind of goofing and clowning yeah, and like hey right. bear i'm sorry about that like it's he is he is genuinely like showing he seems ashamed of himself in that moment and he's conveying that well and then joel responds and again wonderful joel like joel is just like oh honey thank you let's go bone mm-hmm. it's like she she says you know i'm i you know it's it's not really yeah, it's not you talking about the speech that upset me. It's that you put me down for talking about my psychology classes. Right. And Tim says, you know, I, I didn't mean that. And Jill says, look, I know you think it's a bunch of gobbledygook, but I'm trying really hard. When you demean it, it hurts me. Yeah. And, like, she's just, he, she doesn't let him off the hook for just yeah. saying that he's sorry. I feel like an earlier season's episode would have been like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. Her kind of slowly acquiescing, and then they bone and roll yes. credits. yes. And but that, yeah, that doesn't happen here. Yeah. So she she says this, and she like she just calls him out, like you you put down like it's not just that you were laughing about me with your guy friends; it's that you were just openly acknowledging that me pursuing my own interests is boring to yeah, you, and that you're right. not you're just openly uninterested. You find the things that I find interesting boring, and it hurts me. And she just walks upstairs, and there's a very long silence. She, like the camera just stays on her, no music or anything. She walks out of the room, up, and goes up the stairs, and Tim is just watching her silently. And then as she disappears up the stairs, he kind of quietly goes, so, so who's going to make dinner? Which I, which I thought was very funny because it's not like him yelling it after her, but like he's almost asking himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, (laughs) 
that's a uh, a joke that's I don't know almost feels like too soon. I I feel a little too sensitive myself. Like I'll admit that I'm a little too sensitive to laugh at that joke, but his performance of it was funny. I I I thought it was I thought it was I don't know I I thought it was funny. I liked that it just. You know, because so much of the normal order of the household has been kind of uh, thrown into disarray by yeah. this this shitty thing that he's done, and he's just trying to be like, "Okay, did something wrong? What what, what about dinner? <laughs> I I don't know. I I liked it. I thought I thought it was funny because yeah. also it's a kind of comedy note that we don't normally see. It's not him ending a scene on a big, larger yeah, right. than life blow up. It's a kind of understated ending with like a, yes. a meek sigh. It's Tim being meek. That's true, and we do need to kind of lift the tone of this up out of the water uh, a little bit by this point, because ending on a, on her just storming upstairs, that's like a halfway through an episode point. Yeah. That's not an end of the episode point, which is yeah. where we are. Yeah. Um, so this takes us to uh, the kitchen table um, for our stinger where, Oh, it's not quite our stinger yet, but uh, Tim is reading uh, Jill's psychology books and she comes down because she needs it. Yeah. Um, and Tim says, hold on. And you know, there's there there are all these like underlying nuance things. I just I, I just want to shake out of Tim. It's just like, yeah, but you you aren't doing psychology. She needs the book to go study. Like it's just it's it's a it's a whatever thing that you just like. It's not worth the fucking argument, but it's the cumulative effect of I, all of these little things that drive me nuts. I, for me, the the message of the scene is so much sweeter that I yes. completely even missed that. But. Tim is sitting there reading the book, and, and he says, just in a minute, I'm reading about my souped-up ego. And she says, I think you mean super ego. And she says, what, what are you doing? Why are you reading my psychology book? And Tim says, I want to find out why this is so interesting to you. Real, I, again, I, you know, I don't know. And, and, well, and, but, well, see, this is where I, I don't know. I, this is where I felt like his thing is kind of disingenuous. It's like, why, why do you need to go read her books to understand it? Just have a conversation with her. Like, you don't need to have the same interests as her. You just need to be accepting and open to her interests, and you're not going to get that unless you talk to her about them. I, I want to find out why this is so interesting to you. Jill says, because you feel guilty or because you're actually interested? And Tim says, according to chapter two, it's a little of both. <laughs> it was a good joke. It was a good joke. Yeah. I agree. You should just be able to just talk to her and have interest in it yourself. But also, uh, Tim, again, for Tim's character... Cracking a, a thick psychology textbook, <laughs> reading it, yeah. and and really trying to actively engage with this thing that your wife is doing. This is, which is something he didn't do with dancing, which is something yeah. that he has not done with the like. This is the guy who screams at the mention of the opera. Like, yeah, there's better ways that he could have been behaving this whole time. Yeah, there's better like Tim. Tim and Jill shouldn't be married. Jill should be married to Al, obviously. But in this. In this construct that we have here, that he sits down and is reading this book because he wants to, he wants to, you know, he he wants to understand this thing. He wants to get interested in this thing. He wants to make this effort. This time he could have been spending in the garage or at the hardware store. He's spending reading about this thing that his wife is passionate about because he wants to share this thing with her. I thought that was, I, I just, I know that it's not great. I know that he's not a good <laughs> husband, but yeah. this is so much better than yes, his responses yeah. typically are. And I completely I, agree. And it really was sweet to, like, again, and, you know, it was so uncharacteristic of Tim. And if more episodes ended this way with him making more of an effort, like, this isn't him doing a grand stunt. Yeah. Like, this isn't him yeah. dressing up as Sigmund Freud and going up to a room or something like that. This is him just sitting down with some books and and trying to just read and understand her stuff more, which is a really good step in the right direction. I completely 
agree with you that this is a better ending and solution than we've had in the past than we've ever had (laughs) uh i i slightly disagree with the the overarching thing because like this isn't gonna he's not gonna start reading psychology books he's not gonna start having psychological conversations with jill this is a one-time thing he's gonna read these two books he's gonna throw out a few things over breakfast and then he's gonna go right back to doing the shit he does mostly because we're on a sitcom and uh the world repeats itself but if he just sidestepping the books and talk to jill about this that's something that sinks in more that's something you're making a connection you're getting to learn somebody uh their interests from the inside out like yeah. this to me is just, it's it's another it's another band-aid solution just dressed up as something different it's not sex because she stormed off it's him uh masturbating <laughs> in a way cuz he's reading stuff that only applies to him he's going to take a few buzzwords away I mean, I'm speculating about things that happen after the cameras stop rolling, obviously, so it's kind of irrelevant. But I just think it's a it's a loosey-goosey solution to this more complicated problem. If reading psychology textbooks was masturbating, I would be the president of the American Psychology Association <laughs> by now. <laughs> Uh, look, I, yeah, I can, I I agree with you that that the next episode he's probably gonna be snorting and farting and driving <laughs> a monster truck over Pavarotti's corpse. But I, what? I, but I also within the confines of the '90s sitcom yeah, form, agreed. Th- this this is. And thank you for keeping me back on track. I know. I'm sorry. I have to. I I've got like I've got to rope you back in. On I this appreciate it. Like, yeah, obviously he's going to be shitty again after this. But, like, living within the construct of this episode, this is really sweet. And I like to, in my head, picture a world where we're on BoJack Horseman and shit actually continues forward. (laughs) And where Tim actually is making a real effort. Like, he says to her, from now on, I'm reading everything you read. That's probably unrealistic. He probably won't actually do that. But I like to imagine that Tim will at least make an effort where he'll, like, sit down with her every day and talk about what she's doing. Or at least show more. He also says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take you to see those three tenors who you love on pvs i guess okay to put my point as concise as possible i think that there's something equally problematic with empty promises yeah Uh, and that you know it's it's part of problematic relationship material that people stay with each other longer than they should because of empty promises yes so i'm just kind of drawing attention to yet another problem of tim in this episode every promise made on a 90s sitcom is inherently empty (laughs) because the world resets fair okay b good point b it's not it would have been an empty promise if he said from now on i'm reading everything you read it's not an empty promise within the construct of this show within this episode because she comes downstairs and finds him having read like reading her book he's read a couple chapters of it they talk about animal sexuality and human sexuality and he displays some rudimentary knowledge of the superego and what's in the book like like with within the the world that has been built for us this isn't an empty promise he's actually demonstrating that he can and wants to do this stuff he he that he can change and wants to change within this one episode yeah if, like yeah I, I guess, just i guess i don't believe it so much as as you do i i want to believe yeah much like true. that guy in that other 90s I, show i will totally admit i am way more of a nihilist in life than you are so this is this comes down to perspective i think yeah well i mean hey god isn't real and life has no meaning i'm just saying that this episode of home improvement gave me some warm fuzzies okay fair yeah i'm not gonna take that away from you in fact let's go to the stinger um because i do have some more but i feel like i'd be beating a dead horse or whatever the pita uh phrase is these days we go to beating a dead block of tofu (laughs) 
<laughs> we go to the stinger, uh, which is the living room where Tim comes home with a new videotape. Uh, Jill is reading and studying for her psychology schools. Um, I don't know why I put a trademark symbol after conversation in my next sentence, but uh, he went back to the hardware store with a videotape recorder, um, even though he posted it as like, oh, you know what? I found this videotape uh, that there was a, an, an extra five minutes um, at, that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. You know, it was yeah. too, too risky for yeah. uh, primetime VHS. Too, too hot for TV. <laughs> this is the bloops. Yeah. Uh, so he puts in the tape to have her watch the, the conversation, quote unquote, that she missed. Starring Gene um, Hackman. <laughs> one of my favorites. Uh, and he just proceeds to tear up the carpet of the hardware store. It's so weird. <laughs> and he's just sitting there playing his saxophone. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert for the conversation, I guess. When I was a child, my mom left me in the bath, and I almost slipped under. And I thought that if I drowned, it would be okay. More just really deep, deep, deep the conversation cuts. Oh, man. If even one of our listeners responds to any of that. You know what? Oh, response to it. That's a different... I was going to say, I listen to this podcast, and... I listen to it, too, when I edit it. I uh, I enjoy that. I listen, I listen to this podcast when I edit out all of our references to the conversation. <laughs> well, uh, tell run us through what uh, he's done here, this second part of the conversation. Uh, so he had... So it's this... Oh, yeah, the last five minutes of, of this conversation, and it's uh, the camera's back set up there... And Tim talking about, you know what, guys, I actually really do love and appreciate the all the hard work that my wife does at psychology school. And then Angela's like, you're wearing different clothes in this than you were in the other one. And he's, and he's like, oh, guys change their clothes all the time at hardware stores. And then, like, Harry is there and he goes, wow, tool man, thank you for telling me that. You have made me realize that I love my wife, too. And See, it just seems so disingenuous to me. Yeah. This whole thing just feels like... Tim will do anything for self-preservation not to actually fix a problem. I mean, yeah, again, maybe I'm just feeling more sympathetic yeah, to, the, to the rigmarole of, of sitcom formats today. <laughs> they had to end on something. They and did. This is, they did. This, is true to, this also is true to Tim's character. Yeah, he does right. bits. He does, like Honestly, I'm just glad. I really thought going into this that he was going to have dubbed over the original one and have a bunch of, oh no, Godzilla! Oh, Godzilla is coming! <laughs> you did say is a Godzilla joke coming. So this one isn't racist to an entire uh, nation yeah. of people, so I'm I'm kind of okay <laughs> with it. Um, but <laughs> Man, our standards are so fucked. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I hate to... Uh, yeah, by, by season eight, it's like, well, Tim didn't dismember three people and bury their bodies in a shallow grave, so I'm giving him two thumbs up. Uh, but he, you know, th- so basically it's just like, oh, we now love talking to our wives. Thank you, Tool Man. Yeah, I know uh, this, and Jill eats all this up. To me, it's just Tim showing himself as a hero rather than just admitting that he fucked up and living in shame for a little bit. I get what you're saying about the sitcom format, and I agree with that. I'm just saying, it's, it's, like, he, in he, real life, he looks straight at the camera at one point and says something about how much he loves his wife and he's sorry. I don't know, man. Like, it, I know it's just it's he's true to his ego. He's making himself the hero in this situation. Yeah, supposed to just like sit in your filth for a little while. <laughs> okay, Tim. Tim sits in his filth all the time. Have you heard the way he talks about like engine grease and and monster truck rallies and yeah, farting? yeah. Um, anyway, they reconcile their marriage. It doesn't end in divorce. The kids are still intact. The kids right. are all right. <laughs> uh, Although now, based on what's happened to some of those actors, it's more like the kids are alt right. Eh? Oh boy! Eh? Eh? Waka waka! <laughs> oh boy! We go to our outtakes, uh, where Tim fucks up the ice cream. He does fuck up the ice cream, uh, but not—he doesn't fuck up the right fuck up right way. 
he fucks up fucking up yes he he pulls his hand back out and the hard cover pops off the thing no one no one listens to our podcast here as recap the bloops uh al fucks up a line which is kind of funny because he's talking about how great a speaker jill is when he fucks up and uh as our our counter of this show how many times have i said fucked up on this episode oh fuck! i feel like quite a lot more than i usually do well there's one time that tim says uh oh okay well then let's go into i can't do percussion and melody at the same time I don't even know, like, I, I, I'm just so fascinated by what even inspires these. Like, what, what weird scat <laughs> jazz is, is going on in your head? This is all part of the theme song. It's a, a talk break as we go into dun, 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 uh, the Grunt Corner. <laughs> Brought to you by Kiersey Jeffries. I, lo- I love the breakdowns where I just talk a little bit. It's like, it's like rap without the rhythm, <laughs> which is the sort of rap I would do. Um, the Grunt Count for this episode is one. Ooh. Yeah. Saucy. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like I've been so serious on this episode. I need to, like, spruce up my silliness. One is the sauciest number. <laughs> um, it's uh, true, because if you had two, you'd have to share your sauce. Yeah. So, as one, you just get to hoard all the sauce to yourself. Yeah. And three is a roux, I guess. <laughs> uh, four is a gravy. Ooh, okay. It's getting yeah. a little thicker. I yeah, like I know, I know. And, uh... And I guess five is like, uh, I don't know, is a Bernays a different type of sauce? It's, I don't know, you're getting more into like molasses territory there. Mm. <laughs> uh, that sounds more like you critiquing my southern accent, but I'm not even going to, like, we've gone on so long <laughs> and gone on so many tangents, I can't even. Yeah, uh, one, yeah. one grunt. One grunt. Wow. Okay. I Yeah, I just wasn't. Where was it? Oh man, it was. It's when Tim is out talking to. I think it's when he's out talking to the crowd uh, on the show. Um, I think one of them says, "I think the, yeah, it's either the guy who says he was in prison or in divorce court." Tim goes, "Ugh," like uh, that. Okay, it's a dismayed grunt, not an annoyed grunt. Like, Ooh, like that's, uh, that's kind Homer. of a new. Uh, we don't get dismayed grunt very often. Tim isn't dismayed enough. I think. Let's <laughs> change that. In More evidence that we are heading in new directions, yes. uncharted territories. Yes. Um, ungrunted territories? Uncharted territories. <laughs> uh, anyway, do you have anything else that we didn't go over in this very long episode? I, I do not, I, we covered everything under the sun. Okay, well, there is one thing that we didn't cover, mm-hmm. which is the... See, like, you're like playing a theremin for a second there? <laughs> the... Oh. <laughs> outro oh, uh yay. which people don't usually everyone's favorite this, part but we have more sponsors than we do segments so we're gonna have to find some sort of magic corner uh around here and we created plenty of them over the years i'm sure there's still <laughs> a few dangling around so this is outro, outro corner brought to you by john Voorhees, um which is uh it goes a little something like this you're just making up for all the seriousness with funny voices and weird theme songs <laughs> yep uh <laughs> If you enjoyed today's show and want to help us create even better content, become, uh, become, nope, consider becoming, or just become, hey man, an official Grunthead on our Patreon. Yes. As a Patreon sponsor for our show, you get access to all kinds of truly great shit. I mean the greatest shit, such as our supplemental podcast, Gruntwork Nights. Yes, which you get access to on any level. Yes, you get, yeah, no matter how much you're contributing, uh, be it $1, be it $50,000, 
Aim for the $50,000 mark, guys. But if you're any, any level is fine. Yeah. Uh, you get access to the supplemental podcast we do. At first, we were like, hey, it's going to be half-hour episodes. And then we kind of talk a lot. So it could actually be more. <laughs> I will take full responsibility for that. I've recognized whenever I do a guest spot on other people's podcasts, like their episodes go from 30 minutes to like an hour and 20 whenever I'm on. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to recognize the common factor. Here. The, 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 the problem, the, the, the length is coming from inside the podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, at the $5 tier, if you want to sponsor a segment on our show, like you've heard uh, this episode, you can do that. Uh, and there's many, many more uh, rewards and joyous occasions to come. So yes. get over there on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. If you want to help others find the show, consider leaving us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, provided that they have a comment and review section. If not, <laughs> write them an email and say, put in a comment section, and yeah. here's your first comment. I love grunt work. Well, I'm just saying, like, maybe if you if it's like the 1980s where they had a big uh, storefront of TVs, but it's the 2019 podcast equivalent where you're getting your podcast by standing outside the the establishment that's playing podcasts over their PA system like it's just clearly con- they don't have a rating and review system the, the, because all of the reviews would be this is terrible this is a cacophony of like <laughs> Joe Rogan and two dope queens and Ben Shapiro's podcast for some reason <laughs> um oh, what was I saying oh yeah you can leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your stuff uh and when you do Truman tell them what they get uh huh uh huh Truman uh huh. Oh, uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. My eyes just kind of glaze over when you do the outro. I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, please stop by to say hi on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or you can find us at GruntWorkPod. And you can find information on today's show on our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. While you're there, you can sign up to get our weekly newsletter, which is a great way to be informed whenever a new episode is released. Yep. Uh, to get the grunt count hint. Yes. Not force-fed what the actual grunt count is we have Nobody to like wants that we have to bring people into the show not make, repel them gotta make you work for it dude exactly uh and uh, what else do i want to say i guess that's it uh until next week when we cover another episode of home improvement i've been Landon solano i've been truman caps wishing you a good night and good grunt that was clever <laughs> thank you <laughs> 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 <laughs>